Psychotronic, denoting or relating to a genre of movies, typically with a science fiction, horror, or fantasy theme, that were made on a low budget or poorly received by critics. This it was given me to know, that many worlds have been enslaved by the beast in his army, the Slayers. And this too, it was given me to know, that the beast would come to our world, the world of Krull, and his black fortress would be seen in the land, that the smoke of burning villages would darken the sky and the cries of the dying echo through deserted valleys. But one thing I cannot know, whether the prophecy be true, that a girl of ancient name shall become queen, that she shall choose a king, and that together they shall rule our world, and that their son shall rule the galaxy. Anyway, greetings and salutations. Outstanding. <laughs> Voice a little different this time, you guys. Welcome to Psychotronica, a podcast for forgotten film. Uh, this time, your co-host Donnie the Magnificent is going to be leading us in. I am short in stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. Today, I travel with Emily and Drew to the planet Krull, where a swashbuckling battle between good and evil is set to take place in a mismatch of big-budget science fiction and fantasy. A fair warning of you listening, Drew will be using the word swashbuckling every chance he gets. So many times. <laughs> just saying it makes him feel like he has on a pair of tights and a billowy shirt mm -hmm. uh, speaking of swashbuckling emily how are things in your area of crawl things are just fine thank you for asking all right we actually have that in our script and emily added notes in saying i can't tell you you'll just read it aloud on the episode i can't and imagine who would do that yeah that who is that directed like, at emily that doesn't, that doesn't feel like anything one of us would do that's crazy <laughs> the general you <laughs> yeah yeah i like to read the script yep yeah no so i learned my lesson i'm doing very well good are, are you more a fan of uh science fiction or fantasy um science fiction i just like those aliens yeah she does like the aliens yeah she does like no, it. I'm, what about I'm waiting to meet our alien overlords someday <laughs> what about uh swashbuckling pro or con that, that's personal all right that is, well, that is a personal question that's a personal right? question Drew, uh, Drew wanted you to take a stance. <laughs> well, I thought it was important. I thought that we needed to, as a podcast, really come together and decide, are we pro or anti-swashbuckling? Everybody's been asking. It's something that I've, people on the streets are coming up to me. They're saying, Drew, for God's sake, man, are, are y'all pro or anti-swashbuckling? So I thought I'd go ahead and get in front of it. I but, don't want to get know. those reviews, though. If I that, say pro, yeah. those antis will come for us, you know? That's true. That's true. Watch, they're, they're... Uh, Tim Curry in Muppet Treasure Island. You'll be oh, buckling. I'm proud. I'm proud, actually. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I forgot about him. <laughs> what about you? You bigger fan of science fiction or fantasy overall? Man, I, I definitely tend to lean more towards science fiction. I, I like fantasy every now and then. It, but if I was going to choose between the two, I would definitely go with sci-fi. But yeah, I, I, I like both. This one, I don't know if it blended all that well. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more as yeah. we get into uh -huh. this. But and look, 
while we're talking about it, Donnie referred to, I'm a big swashbuckling guy. And if anything saved this movie for me, a lot of swashbuckling. You know, when it, when it comes to buckling, I prefer mine to be swash. So really excited to talk about Kroll. Uh, this is my first time seeing Kroll. Hell, really my first time hearing about it when Donnie brought it up. You know, I've been on about eight quests um, at this point. You know, before I get to any of my points, I might go to a few more. Uh, that's a direct <laughs> shot at the movie. But I, I counted. There are eight unique quests throughout this movie. And so I landed on eight. But Wow, again, I mean, it only felt like. 27 so. it, I, th- I thought there'd be a lot more than eight yeah. frankly and yeah ended up just being eight that I think I could have been less generous but mm-hmm. that's where I that's where I landed but I'm sure we'll talk about that more as we go on yeah. absolutely absolutely so now we're going to enter Lissa's castle we're going to talk a little bit about why we and by we I do mean me chose crawl <laughs> which In fact, this is thanks to Drew's great research as a surname first found in Prussia, where the family made a considerable contribution to feudal society. Uh, More you know. Uh, We're going to get into marketing and stuff that they used on that as well. When (laughs) Drew brought up this pod, my mind immediately went to Crow, right? So, you know, we've got this idea, right, that the movie opens exactly I won't say exactly, but let's be real for anybody that's seen it. The the dark castle traveling through space is a goddamn star destroyer. <laughs> Why? You know, panning across yeah. the camera. So, um, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I'll, I'll get into it, you know, why I chose it. So I think the movie's epic. I, I think it's got some really huge ideas. At the time it came out in 83, this was a really massive budget for something like this. And it bombed, which we'll get into. But my story of Krull is as a very young child, I had the disjointed memory of horses with fire on their hooves, this unsettling one-eyed Cyclops guy, this gnarly crystal spider that terrified me, and this screaming, squinty-eyed old man that went, and... I knew I'd seen it, but as a kid, I'd talk movies with people and nobody had ever fucking heard of it. Now, I didn't know it was called Krull. I'm like, did you ever see this movie with these things? And nobody had ever heard of it, like, at all. And I was just convinced it was like some fucking memory that I made up, you know? And then I don't know how the fuck I finally figured it out, but like 10 years ago. Who could forget the exploits of Prince Krull? Yeah. you know like, dude i thought crawl was the weapon for you like even after i found that it, makes like, yeah, sense the crawl you know no it's the yeah. freaggin glaive but uh you know i found it and now you know now i've got it on dvd you know i've got it on blu-ray i've got a fucking poster for it which i just bought a bunch of posters and i added crawl because i knew we were going to be covering it but um yeah That's i'm, I'm super value. excited I love the movie. I still love it. I'm, I already know I'm going to be its biggest defender. And uh, Emily, I want you to, Emily added in yellow. That's her note color for her edit. She said, LOL at this burn on Donnie. So what, what was your burn that you saw, Emily? Oh, yeah. It really ties into that heartwarming story that you just told. <laughs> um, yeah. let's, let's tear that a down. 2000, a 2015 Empire Magazine piece by Ian Nathan. He wrote that Crawl may have satisfied young boys at the time, but has become frail and silly with age, much like mm. Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> or Donnie. Yeah. Before we started recording, I was just telling Drew about how I tweaked my arm in the wrong direction trying to get my dog the other day and like almost passed out from 
the, the searing <laughs> yeah. pain that traveled up to the back of my head. So absolutely. Um, I love yeah, I'm it. not there yet. I'm, I'm still very young and virile. Yeah. So sorry. I'm actually, you guys know the, <laughs> the witch, the blind witch and something wicked this way comes. I've never seen it. Oh, Emily no. alert. Never, never seen, seen it. it. Never seen oh, it. Never seen it. Guys. <laughs> I've seen it. Well, when you watch it, I'm I'm the blind witch that goes to the library. I can't right, wait to watch, to watch that. Rain and dust. Yeah. I still gotta watch that other one you want me to watch with that drag queen that has a forehead that starts like halfway back. Oh, yeah. Pink for flamingos. the listener, for the listeners at home, if anybody's seen Pink Flamingos, do not tell Donnie anything about it because I really need him to go in blind. She says it's not even good. She's like, it's not that great, but you know, it's something though. It. Yeah. yeah. One hundred dollars, and we will right. cover it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all so it I've takes. got the poster here with me. And, um, you know, obviously, we're, I'm going to ask you guys what your thoughts are on it. You know, looking at it, we've, we've got Colwyn, we've got Lizette, we've got the beast behind them. You know, he's got the glaive in his hand. She's hanging on him. It is, you know, it, it is, it wasn't a mistake that, <laughs> you know, oh, what are the odds that if you pull this up next to the original Star Wars poster, that they're one in the same, you know, with a couple less, I mean, it's, it's obvious, right? But there are so many movies that are, the posters are going to be similar to that. We, we could really get bogged down in that. I always laugh at, you know, when we look at the top, beyond our time, beyond our universe, there's a planet besieged by alien invaders where a young king must rescue his love from the clutches of beast or risk the death of his world. And it says a world light years beyond your imagination. And there's a couple variations of that. But I mean, come on, right? I look at it and it's like, so did they just literally like get a thesaurus? They didn't have it in 83 where they had a thesaurus app, but like you just plug in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And it's like, ah, beyond our time, beyond our universe, which is another tagline. It's like, you can copy my homework, but make it a little bit different. So the teachers change it up a little bit, which look, I I love, I love an exploitation movie. I love it whenever you take the current trend and you, uh, just change it up a little bit and make it your own. And and they definitely tried to do that. But I mean, look, the I, I think the poster is misleading because and when you brought up the Black Fortress, I asked, well, why? Why the hell is it a spaceship? Why did they even implement any of the science fiction elements in this mm-hmm. movie? And in the poster, it definitely gives you more of a science fiction vibe, despite the fact that it, it is definitely more rooted in sort of Arthurian fantasy and so i I don't know so it did mislead me personally because i guess i didn't know much about it other than donnie telling me hey we got to watch this movie and so i saw the poster and then watch it and i was surprised at how much more steeped in fantasy it was than science fiction same thing with the tagline kind of about saying you know can echo those feelings there as well felt a little misleading the so the tagline i think actually is pretty good um, the one below the title, I think it's kind of short and sweet, paints a quick picture of what the film wants to be. I think like, is that what the film really is? Maybe not so much. Um, That's a cool I, like that. Yeah, I think we'll keep coming back to this, but I do think this film would have been better suited to just go full fantasy and, and ditch the, the sci-fi stuff. Um, and I know we'll come back to some of the initial ideas in a little bit for, for what would have been more fantasy based for or crawl himself yeah i, I don't want to i don't want to talk about that too much yet because yeah. we will get into it but for sure i but do yeah. kind of like the poster i think you ditch all the stuff above above the title though you just have the the short simple tagline below it you don't need all that extra stuff above it's a rip off anyway i think yeah. the splotchy shadowy like yeah. ms paint horse 
guys on horses. Yeah, I know. They, they're not even the, they're yeah. like blue and yellow. Like, yeah. yeah. Not great. I think you make the beast like maybe a little more shadowy, less divine, defined. So he's not quite like so cheesy. But yeah, you definitely keep Lissa wearing her um, Princess Leia ripoff outfit, though, for sure, that she does not wear in the movie. Right. No, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Go, Drew, go, Drew. No, but I, I was going <laughs> to say, like, everything in this movie, from the poster to the tagline to the actual movie itself, you, like, I can feel the cocaine. Like, I feel like it's just, <laughs> put that in there. I well, love I it. I think the budget was so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah right exactly shot it over two days like how did you yeah. guys spend 50 million dollars they're like yeah your budget was 30 like Craft that's why services. that's why the budget issues are are so murky it's like was it 30 well they really spent 50 but it was in Colombia. <laughs> yeah exactly i i love the tagline and again it, it's i think the thing here and this is going to be something i keep returning to throughout the episode you know when i when i talk about stuff especially with drew and emily on this is you guys just watch this for the first time, you know, mm-hmm. as grown ass adults, right? Yeah. I watched this as a kid. And, and every time I think of it, I, I have it in my notes, a world light years beyond your imagination. And I get a feeling to that. And it brings me back to like being a kid. And I saw Krull before I'd ever seen or heard of Star Wars. Like, so this, when oh, I wow. first was introduced, yeah. it wasn't a Star Wars ripoff for me you know i i totally agree with everything you guys have said like the sci-fi stuff like it is you know there's a a review somewhere that says like you know or an article that's like you know it's like if star wars and excalibur came together and and i can mm-hmm. see that yeah but i mean looking at it it's like okay the slayers are very somewhat stormtrooper-esque with a different design but the way they march and stuff and I mean, literally, it looks like it could have been a fantasy. And then in post-production, they were like, well, let's add this red fucking sparks yeah, every yeah, time yeah, they're a little bit. battling with swords. Like, that, that doesn't even make sense in the movie. There's no explanation for sure. why these would spark. But they did it anyway. You know, are, are you, we kind of, does Danny, you guys have anything else? We, we, I've got notes here, like, let's talk about the taglines. But it, it seems like we've kind of just been talking about it anyway. A- anything else on the tagline you guys wanted to talk about? Yeah, no, I sort of just jumped right into that. So, yeah. and that's good. Blame it on Drew. Like. We'll yeah, blame it on Drew. Blame it on Drew. So, we've got a we've got our outline on this, guys, and it's twenty seven pages long. And with you pictures. know, with Emily was like, "We can't be doing these two hour episodes." And and when when we did that on Shivers, I was like, into my head, I was like, "The fuck are they going to do when we get to?" <laughs> <laughs> there, there's quite a bit to cover. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. A um, little bit of background on it, guys. So we talked about 1983. It came out on July 29th, 1983. So that would mean that it came out eight days after, but three years before my birthday. Do the math on that. Wish me a happy birthday next year. You missed it this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rollout continued worldwide throughout 1984. Uh, distributed by Columbia. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, I know Drew has. It's got one of Drew's favorite logos. You can call it Captain Capitalist. <laughs> I love a good logo. It's a good logo. Yep. Sue me. <laughs> Barclays Mercantile Industrial Finance was also involved in this. They had a hand in Dead and Buried, which um, have you seen that, Emily? I have never seen that. Ah, uh, there it is. <laughs> Emily's cute. Yeah, you've never seen, seen it, it. Right, Drew? I have seen, seen it. never seen it either? I, oh, okay. I, I highly recommend that movie the next time it's nice and foggy out you got a little drizzle going throw that one on because it's yeah. it definitely well, that fits is on that my list. i will get to that it's got to be on your list our friends over at the halloweenies podcast just did a, a, a good deep dive on it and covered it it was requested yeah yeah um, i'm saving i'm saving the app for when i watch it 
See, I always just, even if I haven't seen the movie, I just listen to it anyway with them. I don't care, but I've seen Dead and Buried. It's worth it. And uh, Dead and Buried has an early appearance by Robert Englund getting the movies, did a lot of TV work before that. Anyway, Crawl is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> Development began in 1980. What happened? Well, you know, th this stuff was kind of booming. Columbia came to Ron Silverman. They wanted to produce a fantasy picture. Now, Drew did most of the research on this, so I'm going to pass it off to Drew and tell us a little bit about where this film was shot, Drew. And all I will do to seg you into that is... I've got a chunk of text here about as big as a production budget for this movie. So whatever y'all feel like jumping in, just go right ahead. But All right, thanks, Drew. Any no. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough that that's pretty much what i've done to y'all every episode so far so you know it, it would be justified but this movie was shot at pinewood studio on the 007 stage on location in the uk and italy which those are some of the strong points of the movie or some of those locations especially like the castle some of the stuff like that where it actually is on location wait did you guys great. know though the castle is just a model so it is yes. on location in italy but it's just like a model that they put in the landscape and then it, shot a certain way. So it looks perspective. like a perspective. perspective, yeah. man. That stuff That's wild. works. Which is yeah. so cool. One of my favorite uses of forced perspective. Here we go. One of my favorite <laughs> features, uh, uh, instances of forced perspective. Have you ever seen uh, Head of the Family? It's a full moon feature. It, but anyway, it's it's got this guy with oh, this no, but massive Joe, Joe head. Show that, right? Yes, yeah. But it was, the, was it the second movie? It was the first, actually. Oh, okay. No, I did see yeah. that then. With the, but, the diner people? Yeah, and the guy with the okay. giant head. And, yeah, yeah, I did see that. But it wasn't that big. It's just they used forced perspective, yeah. which, again, I, I love when they use that, like in Lord of the Rings. But, Keep um, your secrets. <laughs> but so the, the budget on this movie is kind of tough to pinpoint exactly what it was. Uh, I've seen 47 million, I've seen 27 million, I've seen 55 million. Regardless, it, it was massive, right? And it didn't make its money back. It only made 16.9 million. Yeah. <laughs> this movie did not do well. Part of the reason the budget just kept getting bigger and bigger was because they continued building sets and they kept changing the script and implementing more of the sci-fi elements. So like we talked about, a lot of that sci-fi stuff was not in there originally. And I feel like you can kind of register that throughout the movie because it feels tacked on. Some mm -hmm. of the sci-fi stuff is the more, some of the more interesting stuff in the movie to me, but it just doesn't feel like it's intrinsically tied into it. Like it doesn't feel like it's, it's part, like part of the of story lore. from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, you, again, I feel like I'm already beating up on this movie and I don't mean to because they're parts of it i genuinely like uh but you can't really talk about this movie without going into how much of a flop it was and it's a bummer but that's sort of its legacy and like 1982 receives a lot of praise for being a great movie year and it should but 1983 was a hell of a year for movies too and the top movie that year was of course return of the jedi which came out two months prior to this movie so i was gonna ask y'all what you think the main reason was for this movie bombing but i mean return of the jedi coming out two years i mean two months before this couldn't have helped it i mean do y'all think that's what the main reason was or like what's your opinion emily i don't think it's probably the main reason there's probably some word of mouth after people saw it you know grown-ups not kids kids like donnie but you know it's kind of that like why 
go out for a hamburger when you can have steak at home. Star Wars is the steak. Krull is the mm. hamburger. So I mean, there's definitely a little bit. Like I just saw this two months ago. Am I gonna go see the you know Kmart version? Right. Kmart. Which which makes sense. Again, I feel like a like every insulting Donnie with every sentence. But no, no, it, it's it's a valid point. Look, I mean, dude. I, uh, I think you definitely feel differently about stuff you see as a kid, though. Like, do you guys like Ghoulie or not? Um, not Ghoulies. That's been on our Goonies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the Goonies. See, I'm like just okay about it, but I only saw it as an adult. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's like a meme about Goonies. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, if you see it as an adult, you're not gonna love it. Like, I grew fine. up on the Goonies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I used to, to argue with kids because there's two cuts of the Goonies. There's a cut where the octopus scene happens with the ship and then there's the the cut that there is no octopus scene do you remember the octopus scene emily no see you don't know what the fuck i'm talking about do yeah. you Drew? <laughs> no there's a cut of the goonies where they get accosted in the water by the pirate ship by a fucking octopus and it's creepy yeah, as fuck you can I see its that. beak opening and closing nope. and right. yeah anyway i digress 1977's yeah. tentacles <laughs> <laughs> but but, so yeah, 1983 was a big year for movies. Uh, I mean, like, so Kroll finished 43rd in the box office. Not great. That's pretty shitty. Not great. So a couple, of, I just want to list a few movies that finished ahead of Kroll. You had Valley Girl, Angel, A Christmas Story, The Dead Zone, Christine Cujo, a great year for King. You also mm-hmm. had Psycho 2, Jaws 3D, Scarface, Superman 3, Risky Business, and Flashdance. I mean, all of these finished ahead of Kroll. Yes, even Superman 3. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I, I feel like I'm beating up on it, but I started searching for lists online of like top box office flops ever. And even those forgot Kroll. You know, like it, it's, it hadn't been remembered enough even I had, to be ridiculed. I'd never heard of it in my life right and that's it's in this weird limbo where like it's it's not so bad it's good it's not so bad that it's famous Mm -hmm. for it it just it didn't make any money it shot for the stars it it didn't hit a lot of its marks and it's just i don't know i'll get into it in in other sections but that's one of the things i love about it is they played it serious and and they for all its 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 shortfalls and its missteps they there's effort put into it and and i can give that's when i um rewatched it I, I rewatched it a couple weeks ago I rewatched it a couple days ago I rewatched it last night um <laughs> when I rewatched it a few weeks ago it was the first time I'd seen it in probably a decade right um and I was amazed I didn't think I was like man I'm probably gonna regret covering wanting to cover this because it's not gonna hold up and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about it is like the little things they did they cared like I mean damn I, the scene is funny man Colwyn going up to get the glaive and he's like they just set him on this rock face to just scramble it up goes and zoom on forever. yeah and he's yeah. scrambling around and the rocks are coming down and then they've got him walking on this peak in between two higher peaks and like i think that's real like i was telling my wife i was like i wouldn't fucking do that like that looks like he could fall off the edge he's right on this fucking razor sharp peak walking across it and i'm like fuck that yeah i think i did read there's a lot of like not super kosher stunt work going on by the actors yeah and there was a lot of talent behind the movie so i mean there's a lot of stuff about it to like it's not like again it it, a lot of it for me at least is the budget right so the day that i watched crawl for the first time i watched battle beyond the stars before it which was a roger corman picture which 
had a massive budget for them and it was $2 million. And I thought it was just as effective, if not more effective than Kroll with a $2 million budget. So that sort of, I don't know, I had that kind of planted in my head as I was watching it. So that's a little unfair on my part, but I don't know. I'm less inclined to be forgiving when you have a, whatever, it's 27 million or $47 million budget. Um, at least personally, you know, it, it flopped in the box office. It also flopped as far as critical reception goes. It's got a 2.9 on a letterbox, 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, 32% critics rating, but eh, fuck them with a 51% <laughs> audience score and a 45 on Metacritic. So this movie is even less well-regarded by critics in our first movie we covered, which was Shivers. Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, they like Shivers better than this one as well. They reviewed Crawl on their show at the movies. They gave the film two thumbs down and called it, God, one of the most boring, nonsensical, illogical fantasies in a long time, which I think is too harsh. I mean, my God, I I don't think this is a great movie, but shit i've seen worse i don't know emily what what did you think about that that's like like a touch harsh maybe but i don't totally disagree with them i I I felt a little i felt a little bad for donnie because i got about 20 minutes in and went oh my god there's still like over an hour and a half of this movie like i don't know i don't know if this one's gonna be a heart for me but i tried but um i did see a review critic stephen Boone stated that Crawl stands out because it has some of the clunkiness and uncertain production design of a cheapy like Beastmaster, which sorry to my guy Coscarelli and Don, if you're listening, plug your ears. I made it 30 minutes into that and I actually quit. Now he's never coming on. I know. I, he I still hasn't even looked at my ears. message I sent him on Instagram. Yeah, he's coming. I'm not worried about it, but I I think he would agree. And then, I mean, he did not have the budget on Beastmaster that they had on Crawl, but we kind of got the same effect here. Yeah, I'll say this for Crawl versus, I'm comparing it to Shivers. That's the only other movie we've covered. I'll say this (laughs) for Crawl. It it at least has people that are really passionate about it, like Donnie. That's true. You know, like it has a following. It's it's got a cult following following now. Yeah. Yeah. And something I always like to kind of bring up is what other names were kind of bandied about you know like so shivers was they came from within kroll was originally the dragon of kroll when a dragon was a central villain and mm-hmm. like this is where i'm going to start contradicting myself because i've already accused this movie of being really derivative yet <laughs> i would have preferred a dragon and of Same. course dragons have been done a million times but it, it, I think they just could have done a dragon better. Same. I think they could have done the beast better. I mean, yeah. that was a great practical effects costume, a full body, yeah. you know, costume. And then they put weird fucking filters and fucking angles on it every time he's in yeah. it. And you're like, God damn it, dude. Like, this would have looked cool if you didn't, with, with the budget, man. Some of this stuff, like, okay. It's got this huge budget and, and that shines and in, in a lot of the stuff, you know, a lot of the set design. We said a balloon because of set designs. A lot of the set designs of that, the friggin' are pretty cool. The castle yeah. spaceship. Oh, they're also awesome. like this yeah. organic, creepy, you know, like almost like HR Geiger light, 
yeah. you know, designs that are cool and organic. And then the crystal spider is amazing. And then you've got shit like, you know, green screen, let's surf on a horse's back, fire mares, fucking Liam Neeson scene, like mm-hmm. that are like, you guys spent $5 and 10 seconds on this shot. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, that, that's one of the things I, I think it's got against it. Uh, I I'd say release, it. release the dragon cut. I, I'd watch it. Yeah. I would too. I, I think that you'd, I don't know if it'd be any better, but I don't yeah. I feel like it would have been an improvement. But yeah, the, the beast design was cool. And, and the uh Fortress Black, I think that's what it's called. All that stuff inside of there, like when it gets really surreal, all of that yeah. is really interesting. So again, and, and I'll talk some about like the cinematography, set design and stuff in a little bit, but that's not where this movie failed at all. And I, I don't believe it failed because of the director either, which is Peter Yates. Right. So, I mean, he's another guy a lot of people have heard of. He was born in 1929 in Aldershot, UK. And like this was his first venture into sword and sorcery. He had never done this before. He had done some bigger budget stuff with The Deep, written by our guy Benchley. But, hey. Hey, but nothing on this scale. And he saw it as a challenge. Right. And he wanted to try out a, here it is, swashbuckling adventure akin Mm -hmm. to like captain blood from 1935 emily you ever seen it no uh never seen it it. don't worry emily neither have i all right i swear (laughs) we're gonna have those t-shirts soon emily's gonna quit soon if we keep just making fun of her for not having seen movies emily you gotta just start being like oh yeah ever read it and well Well, yeah it it doesn't bother me i'm just living my life emily (laughs) reads 1300 books a year Uh, (laughs) but yates particular he wanted to take advantage of like all the special effects that were becoming available, of course, in 77 Star Wars revolutionized special effects. But his excitement didn't last all that long as he was on set. According to special effects artist Brian Johnson, uh, Yates took a Caribbean vacation during the shooting to get away from it all. So <laughs> on set, seeing how everything was turning out, he's like, I'm out, y'all. I'm gonna go get a tan. So, so he had the opposite reaction of Cronenberg, who wanted to kill himself. Yates was like, I'm just going to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Yates, at this point, like, Yates is established. He, yeah. Like, he kind of knows who he is. Hollywood knows who he is. He's made movies. He's worked with Steve McQueen. He made Bullet, which, yeah. of course, was a huge hit. Where the do you Deep, go from there, but down? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, yeah. the Deep, while, like, you know, it's got its fans, it's got its detractors, it did well. You know, it was... Yeah eventually his name was hot at that time but are you the only one that's read that i I don't know if y'all if y'all not read the deep i have not gotten to that yet no it is peter benchley sleaze i mean if you're into that kind of thing that guy's kind of a creep he like not enjoyable so yeah not the i I don't know him personally my god but i I actually haven't i know I, i keep I meant to watch it this week in preparation for this, but then I ended up just watching. I, Crow again. I almost picked it for my episode, but I didn't. You almost watched uh, the deep in preparation for the one line on it in the crawl podcast. Look, man, I've, I've done a lot more for a lot less, Yeah, you know, podcast. but, but, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, he did the deep. So he did something big budget or bigger budget, but yeah, this was his first foray into sword and sorcery. And I mean, when you look at when you look at Peter Yates, and then when you look at some of the other guys and gals that were on crew, you, you really do start to wonder how everything fell apart. Because there's a lot of talent, including 
Stanford Sherman, who's an Ohio guy, O-H-I-O. Had to throw that in. But he only had four (laughs) – I know, it does exist. I swear to God. Ohio's real. No, I know, because half of you all live here in South Carolina now, so (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> that's that's fair i'll be there soon but but yeah he he had worked on four feature films and it looks like he had done some other stuff with like the adam west batman series so he's a guy that you know is pretty well established at this point and a- after this it at least it landed him ice pirates which i've again never seen it was swashbuckling though it, it sounds swashbuckling as hell yeah. But where the crew, I think it's really interesting is with cinematography, which I mentioned that already, but it was done by Peter Sushisky. And he was a really frequent collaborator with someone we've already mentioned tonight, which was David Cronenberg. Yep. Cronenberg and him were heavily involved. And he actually worked on one of Donnie's favorites, Dead Ringers. And it's a good one. one. (laughs) Check that one out. He... Also took on the cinematography role for A History of Violence, Eastern Promises, Neck and Launch, Existence, A Dangerous Method, Maps of the Stars. I'm sick of saying them, but (laughs) he did a lot of Cronenberg stuff, right? If I missed any, make sure you hit up Donnie on Donnie Does Horror. And I'll just tell you, they're all in the script and it got boring. It it did. Even I got bored. But for purposes today, it's significant that he was a cinematographer on a little movie called The Empire Strikes Back, which... You could argue it's the best looking Star Wars movie. And weakest of all the films. It may look good. It's the weakest Star Wars. And hey, I've, I've seen no. it. I'm, I'm kidding. It is not the weakest. You've seen it. Well, that's good. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to fight. I don't really want <laughs> to. That's, that's a whole spinoff podcast. We just it, lost. It this episode just died because <laughs> I said that, and everybody's going to stop listening. Yeah, Donnie's already pulled out. He found me on Facebook and pulled out two embarrassing pictures of me with lightsabers. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're really going through it here. But let us know if you want to see him. Don't. But one of the most, uh, <laughs> one of the guy, one of the more interesting guys I think that worked on the movie was Ray Lovejoy. So he worked on some of the biggest and maybe the best movies ever made, and I'm including The Shining. Batman, Aliens, 2001, A Space Odyssey, which all of those are considered psychotronic somehow. Uh, make sure you check out our episode on that. You can <laughs> find that. He worked on six films with Peter Yates and collaborated with Kubrick a couple of times, like I said, with 2001 and The Shining. And I think his contributions were best summed up by film critic Stephen Prince, who described Lovejoy's contributions as the following ray lovejoy cut stanley kubrick's 2001 a space odyssey and he worked again with kubrick on the shining and supplied that film with an entirely different tenser more foreboding texture than the stately science fiction film possesses lovejoy also proved adept at editing for blockbuster effect his cutting at alien sustained that sequel's narrative momentum with a speed and tension that his predecessor did not have, and his editing on Batman finessed that film's gaping narrative problems by simply rushing past them. And whoa, what narrative problems? Yeah, exactly notice. right. But like, yeah, I, I will no say gaping in Batman. No, but I will say this: like, he obviously was a very successful guy, did a lot of great stuff. I don't think this was his best work, just mm-hmm. editing this film because, and, and I don't know who had the final say on that. But I mean, this would work much better as 100 minute movie as opposed to 120 like there's yeah, quite a, a bit long. you cut out quite a bit of 
you know editing you could do on that but see, and i think the movie feels rushed do you re- see i, I just not i don't know that it would be better if it was longer okay so let yeah. me be clear I, i'm not saying you know but i think the ideas and and you know it's supposed to be this grand fantasy right and and you know like and, and i mentioned this in our our group chat you know <clears throat> now granted lord of the rings had three three and a half hour movies to get it done yeah. i say three and a half hour movies because if you watch the theatrical cuts you're fucking wrong it's fucking extended <laughs> cut or nothing but um you get the scope of that and and crawl it's like here we are at this thing and then here's a shot of us on a horse and here we are at the next quest and here we are on a horse like can't you tell the hillside's different we traveled we have you know, got eight quests to get through people yeah <laughs> get it feels through. like the whole thing could have happened in an afternoon like, yeah I don't know. It does I, wow, feel like a weird in between There's like not any spot. night scenes. Yeah, there's no like progression of time. It's just like, oh, here we are. And then there's Lissa running through the ribcage of the fucking beast. I don't know. It does feel like it's in a weird sort of purgatory as far as like the runtime goes. I also wanted to give a quick nod to, because they're obviously going to listen to this. Art directors, Tony <laughs> Redding, Colin Grimes, Norman Dorham, Tony Curtis, and the set decorator, Herbert, Herbert Westbrook. Because... Like I said, the look of this movie is not the problem. Like, it's gorgeous at times. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like they necessarily had anything to do that. Like, I don't think they could have done anything different to make the movie better. I, I would have loved to have seen some more pops of color. Like, the seer. the All the green and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, that was interesting. Yeah, it just it feels drab at times. The Emily, I, I, seer. Cool. Like, again, cool scene. Like, some of the some of the scenes, if you just had them in a bottle, pretty, pretty neat stuff. But and Emily will talk about James Horner later. But I'm excited to talk some about him. Oh, yeah. See, you guys ever heard of him? He, yeah, he, he might be the, you know, he's the MVP of this movie. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say that. Yeah, that, that's, there's a lot more. I mean, my God, there's a lot more background on this movie. There's a lot that happened on the scenes. That's sort of like, you know, the, well, the Drew White version of Condensed um version of that <laughs> emily what, what do you got to tell us there's a pretty eclectic cast here characters what, what do you got to tell us on them yeah pretty big cast most of them are maybe all of them from the uk have not heard of a lot of them but let's take a little look um in our notes we have a full-size color picture of prince colwyn staring at the camera brutally you're welcome and he strikes me as a red wine drinker how about you guys <laughs> you know what i, I mean i don't know how to feel about that like is that derogatory think, or are you no he's just i get a vibe from him he's got the hair he's got the look i picture him end of the day cast is all gonna hang out he goes to his dressing room he changes into his white pressed denim pants his black mock neck turtleneck and he pours himself a nice glass of red wine you know what i mean sounds like a cool guy we'll put the we'll put the picture i'm talking about up and i think people people will agree with me um so prince colwyn also known as ken marshall um let's see he was born in new york city though so he is not from the uk like almost almost everybody else but not everybody um he did spend four years in the drama department at juilliard which i do think shows here maybe not necessarily in a great way um but i do he, he brings that kind of stage trained vibe to it i definitely feel like i can feel him projecting for the nosebleeds you know what i mean um it doesn't necessarily translate to a successful performance um some critics maybe not me some critics called him (laughs) wooden not quite tough enough to pull off the warrior role um along with lissa anthony they thought he was 
a very pallid hero. I, I did think he was bad, but we'll come back to that. He's probably best generally known if he's known as Lieutenant Commander Michael Eddington on Star Trek Deep Space Nine from 1994 to 1997. So good for him. Um, he really has not good been active him. since 2003, though. Um, there is a cute YouTube video, though. I, I think I sent you guys or I put it at the end of the thing. We should put yeah. up where it's a convention in 2013 and he holds a screen used glaze or that is, that is cool. So that was, that was pretty cute. I'm glad it seems like he has fond remembrances of this. It didn't, you know, wasn't like his albatross. <laughs> I love, but <laughs> the last, I have to say the last line on it. over. lost all his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, it, it happens to the best of, I mean, because well, I, I wrote that right after I watched the video and I honestly just in the moment decided not to not to say that so thank you now it's you now it's you holding the glaive I should say though for the listeners at home I don't think there's anything wrong with that and a shaved head is a great look sometimes so it's beautiful I'm thinning in the back and I'm Confident. going shaved yeah. head as soon as it gets too thin that it starts to look like a comb over which is almost there I shaved bald at the beginning of COVID. Everybody told me it looks yeah. good. I'm going to fucking do it when the time comes. I think the person it's happening to cares way more than than anybody else speaking also, for the though, entire female like, race. I, I know that, you know, it's blame Drew and I, I'm good with that. We can we can continue <laughs> memeing that. But I just want to point out that Donnie also overread the script. You know, hey, not just Drew. True. Not That's just true. true. Like, not yes. just Donnie said. I do have an award to give out. Now, this yeah. is a very, very particular award. And this is the first one. I'm really excited to give it out. And so I have to explain the name a little bit. So this is the Lust Seekers Lusty Character Award. And so there's a movie poster on the cover of one of the Psychotronic Encyclopedias entitled Lust Seekers. And I couldn't, I don't know, my eye was drawn to that. But in honor of that, so really excited. The first ever monthly lust seekers award for excellence in my shallow perceptions of attractiveness goes to ken marshall for having sublime obliques and having abs that you could grate cheese on i'm not sure what his workout regiment was in 1983 but he, he got the most out oh actually i do know it's um red wine and cocaine so that'll do it i, <laughs> do it. <laughs> well, I need to take notes but it, <laughs> Did I appreciate the man's performance? Not particularly, but did I appreciate his physique? Yeah, I did. You know, Donnie, and you his pants were perfect for, for swashbuckling. His pants are wild. Those silver and black pins, like striped like pants. Yeah. That's, um. I'll tell you. So this was like his first and I think only starring feature film role. And he was just so jazzed about it that, mm -hmm. you know, he worked out like crazy beforehand. And I like him. I think he looks excellent. I think he gives mm -hmm. it his all and it's not the best. You know, I don't think I, he's bad though. I think some of it could be the writing too, you know, like I, the scene that comes to my mind and, and I should be better prepared. Who is the old guy that is leading him on the quest? Not the seer, the guy that- Yanir. Yanir. Yanir, yeah. So there's a scene at the beginning where he like pouts and is like, well, I thought we were going to get to do this. And Yanir's like, there are like, there are attributes valued more than bravery. And one of them is courtesy. And he's like, he's like a little kid. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I was going to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little kid that got his hand slapped and I'm like, you're supposed to be the king, you know? And, and, and there's definitely, you know, when we get to the thieves, like that scene, right. Where he's like, I'm a king. And like, nothing he does is kingly or leaderly or anything. Mm-hmm. Like they finally like, Oh shit, you really must be. You have the little fucking necklace that has the key in it. So I guess like I can see it. He, he wasn't the best performance for the role and he didn't sell, sell the character, mm-hmm. but he's no. a handsome prick. Good looking guy. I'm already thinking of the graphic that I'm going to make for Instagram for Lust (laughs) Seeker Award. I I might need to. We're workshopping the name. Yeah, he looks great. He tried really hard. I mean, Drew, you had pulled a couple of things that he studied the fight choreography. So he'd make sure like every little detail was perfect, which again is that stage training as well, because you can't just cut and go again if you mess up on stage. Um, But then they just they kept changing the slayers as that budget balloon. So he kept having to redo it and refigure it out yeah. um also the conditions again like kind of not so kosher stunt work the swamp um was on a giant soundstage it was really cold so his, his feet were wet they couldn't film it it was winter so he said at the end of that he just couldn't feel his heels for days but the swamps did look cool so he suffered the swamp for a scene was cool it's i, I would give it that favorite set in the in the movie it's and some of the most memorable scenes come from that swamp scene yeah which was was actually done on a soundstage which was yeah pretty neat we'll talk about that in effect was a lot more believable than the swamp scenes and the pet cemetery remake let me tell you yeah yeah it it, look i i I keep poking holes in a lot of the shit in this movie and i i I don't i hate being this guy but where where the hell did the firepowers come from like, how did he become Johnny Storm at the end and start well, shooting he, fireballs? He got well, them he did it at the that. beginning. You saw when he got, he grabbed the glaive out of the red cum that was sure. supposed to be lava that was just like, looked like it was <laughs> fucking, like a thick fucking Vaseline yeah. shit with a red light shine on it. Yeah, that, I don't know. It was a strange substance. Just, I, I don't know. When he, <laughs> when he started, anyway, I actually, I actually have got something lighter for that. Yeah. But I just, I've got to bring that up. Let's go on to his um, fire-throwing partner in crime, Miss um, Lizette Anthony as Princess Lissa. We have a full-page color picture of her as well in our notes, looking very 80s Kate Bush, which is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, she she actually, good. yeah, was dubbed the face of the 80s by British photographer David Bailey. She was um, dubbed all right. Yeah, she was she yeah. was dubbed. We'll come back to that. <laughs> she was modeling and acting um, by the time she was a 20. She appeared in music videos, including multiple from Canada's finest Brian Adams. Um, I do think she has that really great, like soft focus 80s look, if you know Agreed. what I mean. Like faces were just like a little softer then. I think she looks great. Um, she did a lot of small TV roles from the 80s on. She stayed really busy. I did have to throw this in because I had a lot of fun reading the articles about it. Her biggest role was on a Brit soap, Hollyoaks, from 2016 to 2022. 444 episodes, which is a lot of TV. So what? It was dramatically killed off because there was all this behind the scenes issues. So they killed her character because she came down on like not the good side of, of progressive TV, basically is where we'll leave it. So she went on oh, this crazy wow. burn it all down Instagram Instagram rant. It's just, it's great. So if you go look up 
her name and this the sun uk which i know is like a gossip rag that was like a little fun side tangent for i had not seen that i'm gonna have to look that up later that's Uh, she kind of imploded over the last few years a little bit but i hope she's doing well um i think the kind of fun fact was she did the voice of clara for a 2010 doctor who audio adventure which is fun and ironic since her voice was dubbed over by actress Lindsay Krause for the movie because the filmmakers decided they wanted a more mature voice for Lissa. So do we enjoy her physical performance? How do we feel about Lindsay's voice? I do know Lindsay Krause as the Professor Walsh from season four of Buffy with the lamest villain. I think um, she gets nothing to do in this. And, and I, I had some uh, different notes and who knows who's right, right? If we're all researching, then anybody listening that starts looking stuff up like this, have your buddy look up the same stuff and you guys are going to find different shit that contradicts each other. One mm-hmm. of the things I heard was that when they were, because this was done in post, right? She didn't know she was going to be dubbed over, uh, obviously, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, she's a relatively unknown British actress and it'll sell better in America with a relatively unknown American actress. And she's not well known enough in America that anybody will know the fucking difference. So let's give her an American accent, which I think is shitty. And I honestly think it would have worked. I mean, everybody else has a British accent and I guess you could argue like, yeah. well, she's from a different kingdom and whatever, but yeah, I mean, I don't think great. it made it any better. Yeah. But all she does yeah, is fucking run around, you know, yeah. like literally they just, cut to her and she's like oh let me oh there's another slayer over there let me run over here there's another there's that um 80s music video vibe so i think she looks great yeah herself agreed she felt like her her character was pretty boring drew do you want to talk on this the more i find problems with this fucking movie (laughs) yeah i mean she looks good i Mm -hmm. i just i and y'all please tell me if i'm off base on this but i i just feel like this movie does not think very much of women in general and like they're all they kind of well no there's three well, of them. There's, yeah, well yeah. it's a, even they're like tacked on and i don't even know where they come from but like she's just put in the black fortress she's there to be a damsel in distress i don't know there's just not a whole lot to her and aside from that i, I don't i never bought her and colwyn which they're barely together and mm-hmm. one of the times they are together it's actually the beast you know uh playing colwyn yeah so i i don't know i, I wish she got more to do because she was like when she was on screen she was interesting mm-hmm. and she looks good and i thought the performances that physically that she did give were good it's just she wasn't given a whole lot to, yeah, to do wasn't much there no yeah. no in the sequel she was supposed to rule the world Oh, well, maybe, maybe they'll get to the sequel someday. Yeah. You never know, guys. You never know. There's a lot of rebirths and, you know, uh, maybe there's an HBO Max series coming. Yeah. Um, someone who will not be back for the sequel because RIP in real life is Freddie mm-hmm. Jones as Yanir. That's how you say it, right? Yanir? I think so. Yeah. It's a uh, Yanir. Oh, well, <laughs> also Close known enough. as the old man. Yeah. Um, so here's another person with with classic straight stage training. He made his debut in 1962 on the stage with the Royal Shakespeare Company, did a lot of stage and TV work after that on the BBC, won the world's best TV actor of the year award at the prestigious 1969 Monte Carlo TV Awards. So round of applause. <laughs> um, I think 
I think you could credibly say most of his notable film appearances were actually all for David Lynch, which is kind of cool. He was in The Elephant Man, Dune, um, Wild at Heart, and then he really stayed super busy, not, you know, super high profile as far as his roles, but from 82 to 95, he was in at least one film per year, multiple years, multiple films, such as Never Ending Story 3, Black Cauldron, or a little movie called Firestarter as Dr. Dr. Joseph Wanless, which I did hey, never seen it. watch. Whoa, I've seen it. I've seen the watched it, one? Um, but I did not recognize him. But he did have over 130 TV credits from 1960 to 2018. And much like The Princess, he did an insane 776 episodes on the British soap opera Emmerdale. But he did not get fired on that. Um, but... So a really busy guy, cool guy. I would say one review I saw claimed that Jones was clearly miserable to be in this movie, which I don't necessarily know that I got, but how did you guys feel about that, Drew? I didn't, I didn't get that vibe. I, I yeah. don't know. He, he seemed, I, I don't know. His character wasn't very bubbly. Definitely. He wasn't, I don't know. He didn't pop off the screen or anything, but it's not like he looked, I don't know, miserable being there. I, I, I didn't get that at all. I, in fact, I, thought he was one of the better actors in the movie yeah I don't know I, I thought he had one of the better performances what do you think Don? yeah I, I agree totally with what Drew just said I, I think he has the standout performance um in the movie I, I think he plays everything seriously he 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 brings up a lot of the scenes that he's in I don't think they would have been mm-hmm. as effective for me had it not been for his performance especially his scene in the um the web of the crystal yeah. spider right that that I think he does exceptionally well and, it, and it's funny that you're saying this right who would you say right we're talking about how this movie right we the, the, the star wars uh connection so yinner would be to crawl as who is to star wars glowing no nah, that's what i was thinking i'm just kidding i'm just kidding uh, I, I was uh, i was thinking obi-wan obi-wan right and alec guinness was you know traditionally like this was not yeah. a great movie that i am not excited to be in right and it's funny Mm -hmm. because you read that and i never got that watching obi-wan now granted he's not in it all that much either but yeah same thing he brings he he brings a a degree of pedigree to the film and and, i mean and that's what i love about you know these types of guys right these classically trained you know actors don't need to give a shit no well i mean alec guinness made it believable in return of the jedi I'm, I'm going to go do it. You know, not everybody can say that. My my man, Donald Pleasance, when he doesn't give a shit in a movie, <laughs> you know he didn't give a shit in a movie. And if anybody has any doubts on that, I implore you to go watch the Paganini horror. He had a drink or two during yeah. that. Yeah, I think he's drunk in all of his scenes in that. He had a drink or two during every waking moment, uh, I think, in that asked? period of his life. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, no judgment passed on, on Mr. Pleasance. Just, uh, Emily's going to have her fucking work cut out for her listing the fucking movies that get mentioned. Oh, oh that's yeah. true. Oh, I'm so Emily. <laughs> oh, Emily, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so moving, moving back to Freddie Jones as Xenier, I mean, I think about his character, again, there's not a, a lot to say about the character, except I, I think it was necessary for the story. You had to have a character like that. And I do think he did a good a job as he could with the, the storyline and the material. He is in absolutely my favorite scene with who I honestly, the performance I liked the best, which was Francesca... I should have looked up how to say the last name. I think Ani, A-N-N-I-S, as the mm. widow of the web. Oh, see, and, I thought it was Anus. 
No, I don't. I don't think it is. <laughs> Jesus. Well, you know what? I will do a correction on Instagram later if you're right and I'm wrong, but I don't no, think. I'm so. definitely not right. I'm just making <laughs> a, um, a joke in poor taste because I'm a child. Yeah. But she does. Um, she has minimal screen time, but I do think she, the actress, is so. And I did not know her from other stuff, but really elegant, and memorable with what she did in the movie. Um, she is another classically trained different avenue though in ballet she um, trained as a child and a teen went to professional Russian ballet school and I just think you do see that in like her carriage just kind of the her posture the way she sits the way she holds herself and I think that that lends well to her little bit of screen time I mean she made her film debut back in 1959 but her first major role was as a handmaiden in Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra in 1963, which is really cool. And I think another, she did a ton leaning towards like, she's just kind of naturally elegant. She did a lot of productions on TV mostly. Um, She was Estella in Great Expectations. She was Lady Jessica in David Lynch's Dune um, along with with the other gentlemen. She also was Jackie Kennedy in, in a movie, and she was Juliet and Romeo and Juliet on stage with Ian McKellen in 1977. She was also in Madame Bovary. She was nominated for seven BAFTA TV awards for Best Actress, had only had one win. And she did, I want to go back to it, do Roman Polanski, his 1971 mm-hmm. Macbeth. She was Lady Macbeth, and she did the soliloquy totally nude. So I think we can already tell you what Drew's next pick for his month will be it's gonna be gross do you, do you know where that's streaming so i can avoid it no, but i'll find out and let you know so you don't watch it yes please accident. send that immediately to me yeah so i can avoid it but um i mean her story as a character she was formerly known as lissa as well she was romantically involved with yunir she bore his child and then killed his child so what do you guys think about that donnie pro anti I- the, the effects in that scene are great. She does a good job. That's her, like with layers, like does, like 20-something yeah, layers layered of makeup, and it looks makeup on there. And it looks great. And yeah, she, yeah, she plays good. it well. Um, I think there are scenes that I would re-watch more than that, right? But as far as the scene that I had the biggest emotional impact on me in the movie where I was fully invested in paying attention 100%, it's that scene every time I watch it. I think it's so well mm-hmm. done by both of them. And yeah it's i don't know it's such a divergency from the rest of the film like you know i killed your kid to get back at you it's like yeah oh okay let's get this clear pro or anti pro swashbuckling anti-killing kids okay good very clear make sure everybody knows that so that scene's great she's great would keep her and and again i feel like i keep being like poo poo pants on everything in this movie but i I think (laughs) i think that that scene would have been better if you could have figured out a way to to use colwyn instead of yanir because you already have the test you have the test of colwyn's faithfulness in the forest with the random woman and Mm -hmm. I don't like that scene. I feel like it's tacked on again. It just I, like where the women come from. I don't know. I, I don't care for that scene. If you would have used him here, I feel like you get a little bit more emotional depth for Colwyn. I don't know how you write that scene differently to get that in there, but you also test his faithfulness for uh, Lissa. Again, it, it 
moves the plot forward, moves Colwyn forward as a character, and mm-hmm. gives you more emotional depth for him. Yanir, I don't feel like we need that from him, but we yeah. do need it from Colwyn to care about him some more. Yeah, well, you could have the young version of the Widow of the Web be the temptation for him. So maybe Yanir can't make it nah, across. The old one. The old yeah, one. Cole, or the old either, one. No either judgment. One. Either but, one. Yeah, Colwyn has to go across instead of, of Yanir. He learns the story. She becomes young. She says, I can provide a different life for you with the sands of time, something. Like and then that. he has to make a choice. Yeah. I like I that. I think does make that sense. could work in theory if you recast mm-hmm. Colwyn. I, I don't think that that scene would have worked in this movie with Ken Marshall. I love him, you know, yeah. but I, I, I don't think that he could have pulled that off and had the emotional stakes that we got in that scene. I don't think it would have worked. Well, so let's explore that a little bit more when we get to uh, what would we do with more budgets? I have one crucial mm. key thing that is going to save this movie. Okay, <laughs> we'll, I'm curious we'll to hear that because to uh, I have remake. Notes on that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for the moment, though, we can keep going on the characters, and I know everybody's thinking, "Oh my God, there's more characters." Yeah, there's more characters. So many. Even though actually... there's no, yeah, there's no people, there's no extras, <laughs> but there's just a gigantic main cast. So we're moving on to David Batley as Ergo the Magnificent, also the teacher from Willy Wonka. So I yep, finally yep. know I finally know somebody in this movie. Um, he also was a really popular actor in England. Did a fair bit of TV, TV movies from the 60s up to like 99, including a Mr. Bean episode. So pretty cool. He, this is, you know, coming just from a random quotation on the internet. So take it as you will. He is known and loved for his deadpan snarker persona. So I would say without a doubt, his two biggest film films were Willy Wonka and Crawl. Kind of honestly similar persona, but just one guy's not magic. What do you guys think? Which performance do we like better, Kroll or Willy Wonka? Drew, you take that. Because I'm throwing the hard balls in here. It's been a long time since I've seen Willy Wonka, but I I prefer that movie. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Willy Wonka. It was a trick trick question because they're really the same performance. Well, but it's funny. uh, I. I've seen Willy Wonka more, right? I, I I didn't have to go as a child and go, does anybody ever heard of this movie about this guy in the chocolate factory and the schnozberries? And nobody knew what I was talking about till I grew up, like I did with Crawl. But for me, I don't remember him being in Willy Wonka at all until I looked it up because Kristen, my wife, was like, I've seen him somewhere. And I'm like, I mm. always get pissed because yeah, I'm the movie guy yeah. in our household. Yeah. I'm the, the encyclopedia of movies. So when she knows somebody from somewhere that I don't, I'm like, you're just thinking of somebody else because <laughs> I would know that if that was the case. And then I looked him up. I was like, fuck, it was Willy Wonka. No, I knew right away. But um, there's a publication called The House Next Door. Um, journalist Justine Elias in it said that Batley's character was awful that even the dullest child would find this unfunny. I pitied Ken Marshall when he was forced to react with hearty ha-ha-has to every crap magic trick. So as the inarguable comic relief of the film, do you guys find him funny or annoying? Jesus, I think I already know. Let's go to Donnie, because I already know his answer, yeah. I feel like Justine is taking a personal attack at me. Like, I am the dullest of child. I found him funny as a kid, and I enjoy him as an adult, like, I think he's good. I think his little monologue of Ergo the Magnificent is well done. I mean, mm-hmm. I think she's got it wrong. I, I, I don't think for, for the faults of this movie that keep it from being anything that it had hoped to be, 
I don't think Ergo is, is one of the bigger ones, in my opinion. So, Justine, if I ever see you, I'm not going to say hi. On site. It's on site. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't get, I don't get that either. Because, I mean, so, God, I feel like I can't say anything nice about this movie without dissing it. <laughs> so, in a movie that I believe is devoid of heart, he's mm-hmm. one of the only characters that provides any. You think this movie's devoid of heart? I just don't feel it. I think that's one of the only things that holds it together for me. I just don't feel it throughout the movie. I I don't feel... Each their own. It's a personal thing, I'm sure. Yeah. I just don't feel the... I don't feel the connections of the characters. I don't... And again, the... uh, To contradict myself, Ergo has the only, I think, relationship in the movie that makes you care at all, which is with the Cyclops and with Titch, the kid. Mm-hmm. because he turns into the dog for titch he has that very sweet moment with him and, that, and that's great and he has some fun moments now his first appearance in the movie is mind-boggling and i, I don't know how or why he appears when he does but <laughs> no I, I i disagree with justine as well and that I, I i don't think his performance is that bad and he does add some fun and some heart to the movie yeah, I think she was exceptionally harsh. I personally do think he was fine. I'm not going to say I really laughed at, laughed at any of his stuff. I think I enjoy Donnie's impressions of him more than the initial performance. <laughs> Big but, time agree on that. You know what? You, you, need, you need some jokes in there. I get it. Um, and you, like you said, he, had that, he did have that nice kind of relationship with um, the Cyclops. I just totally blanked on his rel, roll, rel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rel, which you, you rel. can't be blamed for blanking on it. Most of the stuff yeah. you look up at IMDb, hell, the credits of the movie have him as Cyclops, Cyclops, even though, and I had to pay attention rewatching it. Like they name him, right? I'm not crazy because yeah. I saw something yeah. else that said rel. Yeah, they do. And they I think do. that's one, one of the best, not the best scenes, but like when I think of him and that relationship, it's, it's when he finally introduces himself to him. And, and rel is just, which I love, that, that character you know is he's got this kind of offbeat persona he's just different right but and mm-hmm. he makes and i forget what the word the line is but he 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 kind of takes it as he's making fun of him for calling himself ergo the magnificent and he's like hurt by it and yeah. i i think that scene works and i think he works with it and i think sometimes these critics just they all got to get on the bandwagon and be like yep now it's time for me to write my scathing review of the bad movie you know and yeah. it's just I mean, I feel like I'm being harsh on it, but yeah, yeah. No, not as harsh as okay to, yeah, take take a little step back. Yeah. Um, so Rel the Cyclops was pay- played by Bernard Breslau. The only real thing I have to say about him as a person, he is six seven. Ooh la la. But um, <laughs> other than that, you know, not that much to say. Fair um, enough. But, but his photo on IMDb is pretty wild. The main photo of him is from like the '50s in black and white. And he's just like, oh, like. Oh, I didn't I look. At, I've only looked at him as as a cyclops. Um, were you so you say he had the relationship that worked best for you, Drew? Were you guys moved by his journey? Because I'm honestly a little confused about it. His his people traded one of their eyes to the beast for the ability to see the future, right? But they were yeah. betrayed, and they were only given the ability to see their own death, and that becomes more painful if they try to avoid it. So was so he was supposed to die in the swamp, right? But then it becomes, oh God, look at that. Oh, that is a wild picture. (laughs) So he's supposed to die in the swamp, but he chooses to a more painful death, which we will also get to by Mm -hmm. following his friends on the last leg of their quest. So was he just 
like, are they just, he's going to expire in the swamp. He's going to have a heart attack, but then instead he has to go on to a yet to be unnamed fate because we will come back to it. I think that that story totally doesn't make, doesn't totally make sense. So it doesn't really land for me that he, cho- he chooses the more painful death. He chooses to forego whatever's going to happen to him in the swamp. Like, is he just die of old age? Yeah, they don't, I mean, it's not the swamp, is it? It's because they leave him behind. Okay. Was he going to go back to the swamp? I know they leave him behind when they get on the fire mares. And he's like, all right. Oh, maybe. Like, they they yeah, left him behind at the time, swamp buddy. too. Oh they, yeah, yeah, that's they true. They left him Because he, he said, yeah, he said, I'll stay back because he's just keeps trying to go. Hey, yeah. I'm coming up to my death. Yeah. I'll stay back. I'll stay back. And he saw the seer and then alerted everybody that the seer was actually oh, yeah. the changeling. Which, I think it's yeah. an interesting enough idea for a backstory. I think it's like slightly ineffective and sloppy for, for me personally. And maybe that's just because I started thinking about it too hard. Like I, Yeah, you can't think about it too hard because if you start <laughs> thinking about the, the future side of knowing your own death, it's like, well, you must know yeah. where it's going to happen and yeah and then you get in that that looper time travel logic thing so i really did spend a little too much time thinking about it and And see this is where i'm a hypocrite because with star wars i just say oh it's the force yeah you know well okay so this just it's whatever the it's the shorts it's baby yeah yeah um he so Yates did say that the actor was mostly acting blind. I know we talked a little bit about this. Well, how could he see anything? They said he could see out of one eye, but I don't know how, but only kind of. So the actors had to, especially during the swamp scene, help protect him from walking into the swamp. He came very close on a few occasions. Hmm. I mean, he books it. When he sees that dead seer, I mean, he is booking it through that puddles of the swamp. I mean, yeah. That's, see, he's like a fucking yeah. train going through just fucking chum, chum, chum. that man trusted peter yates yeah dude. there's there's that stunt work again but um yeah. yeah so i think again i just keep coming back to he was a decent character he did not do a lot for me though i thought yeah. his makeup was unique like looking at mm-hmm. his face and especially compared to looking at this picture we i just showed you guys on imdb it doesn't look like the same person the guy yeah. on imdb has two eyes but you know the wide nose the chin i just the way he acts it the way he delivers his lines i think is cool i i do like the idea like he's just a sad character right i i do like the exposition you get um of like you know yeah these guys they're from another world they live here they're sad what a life to have and and you know and i i like that you know ergo you know befriends him on that level Mm -hmm. but and i do like the scene you know he he saves him you know, we'll get to that. Yeah, man. See, this is, and I was worried about this too, recording this fucking episode that ruined <laughs> this movie for me. Well, I, I did it for ruined, you guys. I did but... it for the fans. I think it was worth being covered and it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, but it is upon our scrutiny and discussion. Yeah, I don't know if I'll enjoy it as much next I think, time I watch it. I just it. think these characters are a bit of a mishmash. It's not totally successful. And then you add in about 600 random thieves who are part of the gang we yeah. are definitely not going to talk about all these actors i think the the main guys would be tor torquil um who's the one with the nail necklace favors an axe and is a leader of the group of bandits that also mm-hmm. includes liam neeson who is a polygamist i and, love yeah i love your description of him yeah fun fun little detail axe wielding polygamist and then um robbie coltrane aka hagrid as rune which I honestly he's unrecognizable. Don't, I don't know yeah. which one he is. He's the I, fat guy. Grace recognized no. him. No, really? I spent half the movie yes. thinking he was the Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hagrid's a pretty big character. Yeah, he's a big yeah. dude. 
Um, and then a bunch of other guys who I couldn't pick out of a lineup. Um, but one of them does die in quicksand, which is amazing. Yes, I put yes. this a little bit later in the notes, but I just want to say I am thrilled that there was quicksand in this movie. Throwback yeah, to like our that, introduction you know? episode. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and then someone dies in it. I was like, yeah, it was it was the moment for me. It's just really yeah, exciting. Make quicksand people. scary again. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I thought it looked really good. I thought it was like sawdust, but then I looked and it was actually just a huge um like water tank with painted chips of cork. Cork, yeah, just brown yeah, but it looked, cork. I mean, it looks yeah, it looked really good. Yeah, um, and then you also have Ergo's best friend, Titch, the child, the only child in the movie, played by Graham McGrath, who we hopefully will be talking to for a future little side episode. Yeah. So, say anything oh, mean about him. The cat out of the bag. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, hopefully. Hey, we're I, confident. I, I reserve the right to go back and scrub yeah. this out. We'll let Drew um, edit it definitely out. Definitely would it love, to yeah, love to yeah. hear about some of that. Um, so, what did you guys think about the group as a whole? Just were they there? Were they good? Were they detracting from it? I mean, did you feel bad when they started getting picked off? Spoiler alert. I don't think you can feel bad. None of them get developed enough. Like none mm-hmm. of them get developed enough at yeah. all. Like I, you know, Torquil is, you know, I recognize the actor, right? And I, and I recognize Liam Neeson, but other than that, I did not recognize Robbie Coltrane. You know, there's yeah. that, that younger one, you know, he's got a little, a couple lines, the one that's like, I don't know if he's, you know, supposed to be a teenager oh the where he's like I, I don't have sons but yeah let's the uh the, the oh, manacles yeah. off first um but they're all right they're there to i mean it's it's one of those things where god damn it now i'm thinking about it i'm like you know you, they're just tacked in there we got to build up a you know a party for our quest so like here they are they yeah. were they were quest number i think four uh no quest number four was finding the sorcerer Quest number three was going through the little stones before they're attacked by the thieves. Gotcha. So one of the early quests. Yeah. So um, I mean, but you you have to have them. You have to have them. But yeah, I mean, they really just kind of were set deck and cannon fodder at a certain point. Yeah, um, except for except for our buddy uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, end. our buddy Liam Neeson, which Drew says, speaking of dogs, Liam Neeson's character is a bit of a hound dog in this movie, huh? Sounds like an NBA player. Wives in double-digit area codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it 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 doesn't <laughs> sound as funny read out. But no, I, like, I, I, I didn't know that he did it. Come is on. That, oh, it's his character. Okay, I'm like, yeah, his character. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's it just character. like he's just traveling around, uh, picking up wives. Like, yeah, exactly. It was like, okay, all right, Liam, yeah. hey, and and that they on the the Blu-ray release. They have him on the back of the box, despite him being in, I don't know, a total, what would y'all say, like five I mean, minutes have, screen time? He does have a few lines, yeah. He does. He's got a couple he does. lines, yeah. It, you yeah. would not ever talk about him if he didn't go on to be in Schindler's List and friggin' Attack, uh, attack of yeah. the Clones, you know, in Star Wars and, and the other, you know, Taken and things yeah. like that. But, yeah. you know, speaking of that real quick, I, I do have to say, you know, Mill Creek Entertainment, you could do a better fucking job. All right, this Blu-ray <laughs> is a good print. You know, the transfer is good, the audio is good, but fuck, there's just nothing on it. You put in the Blu-ray. You guys streamed it, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I did the Blu-ray. Okay. And, and my hearing is shit, and there is no subtitles. I was like, yeah, that's what? 
There's no fucking menu. It's just play yeah. the movie and there's no fucking subtitles. So when I did the fucking intro monologue, I had to fucking stop <laughs> it and rewind it and restart it like 15 fucking times. I was texting you guys while I was doing it too. So no. that's part of the reason I am able to type at a serviceable pace. But now I'm like, I got to see if this it. was on, if they have that on IMDb, the, the, the whole monologue to see if you did that. Yeah. Even though well, okay, uh, I don't so- think so. The effects on the DVD release are bad. Let's say the special effects, the extras. But Donnie, what do you think about the effects of the movie itself? Oh, I was like, wait a minute. The effects? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are no extras. So yeah. um, we've gotten. Did you ever find out, Drew, which Mettings it was, was the right? Because there's apparently two Mettings on here. There's a Mark Mettings and was there was Derek. also a Derek Mettings. So it was Derek. if yeah. I am wrong in what i've got here you can just you can hit me up on fucking the gram and you can tell me you got the wrong one mm-hmm. but what i had thought was here here's how we're gonna we're gonna do this right the special effects department was led by Meddings. now <laughs> drew <laughs> yeah you're you right know, he did the effects on superman superman 2 uh he also worked on toby hooper's life force which is probably how the hand ended up in there so one of the scenes that they were unable to complete because they ran out of time, right? There, there are scenes with our damsel in distress running through the, the black fortress. And it's like, it's almost like it's a big body, right? Which by the way, the scene where she's standing in the eye is terrible. Cause it's just like this blown up painting of an eye that she's in that, that didn't work mm-hmm. for me, but there was supposed mm-hmm. to be a scene where she was standing in a giant hand that, that would open and close and do an effect. And there's a scene somewhat like that where it's just a claw that doesn't move, but they did use that hand. The, the, the prop that they made for it got used in Life Force, but the guy's done a lot. Um, and speaking of that, if anybody wants to see cool space vampires, uh, definitely check out Life Force. That, that is a Toby Hooper movie. It's good. And uh, Never seen it shouted out Halloweenies earlier. Now I'll shout out the Losers Club. Their Dark Tower detour that they just dropped brings up life force. Uh, so way to go, Kathleen and Flieger for tying it in with what we're talking about. <laughs> he's been working for a long time and he's worked on some really notable projects. Rogue One, Gladiator, Saving Private Ryan, Batman. And are you ready? I know Emily is. I, ta- I texted yeah. her. Season one of Ted Lasso. Hey-oh, the best season. Uh, yeah, the best show almost, I'd argue. I could talk, we got to do a Ted Lasso cast, but- um, Could be psychotronic, yeah. I think the effects are where the movie shines. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think if the effects, if the majority, not all of them, but if the majority of them weren't as clean as they are, then I would not be as big of a fan. Um, yeah. They went for it. They gave a shit. They tried new things. They put effort into it. Maybe too many new things, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they could have. Um, <laughs> I, I am glad they put it in there. Um, w- one of the good examples of that is when Ergo does his animal transformations. I, I was impressed with that, right, on the rewatch, because mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of movies of this time, and it is generally the same type of effect where it's just this fade into right. now it's the other thing, right? Um, they didn't do that. Here's what Metting said on it himself. He said, we did a series of blowups embellished with artwork so that you can actually blend in the actor. The actor dropped down to his knees and then we used a series of blowups to reduce into puppy size. Then halfway through that transition, we introduced blowups of the puppy, blending the two sets together with artwork. Then as the last still went on screen, we substituted the real dog who just wagged his tail and walked away. It was a trick, but it looks quite magical. I agree. 
And we have Steve Archer. He was a protege of uh, Ray Harryhausen, who worked with him on uh, 1981's Clash of the Titans, doing stop motion, which, you know, Clash of the Titans is one of, you know, those movies that, you know, when you think of stop motion, it's Love one of the stop ones motion. that you always think of, which is funny because, I mean, it's been used, you know, for decades before that. He did the work on the Crystal Spider, right, which is probably, in my opinion, the single best effect in the entire film. It you looks know, so good. My favorite, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, right? We have big budgets, big sets, big ideas on this. I think that is what redeems this movie, and, and I mm. hope you guys agree. I know you guys have more fault with it and i'm finding more fault as we talk about it but the sets look great the effects look great like even now knowing what it is and i was talking to Kristen about it watching it last night like a lot of times even good stop motion has a degree of kind of rigid jankiness to it like you know i Mm -hmm. i don't know absolutely i should have thought of this you guys aren't going to see me it's it's stilted frame by frame yeah yes exactly that's the word thank you drew (laughs) <laughs> for having a better working vocabulary than I do, still did. And, and I, you could say a spider also naturally has that bit of movement to it, but the the spider looks great. And the, and the fact that the entire time it's moving, its little mandibles are always going in and, in and yeah. out that yeah. quickly. Like, I mean, that's a lot of work. And he put in like yeah. 60 days just to get that effect. And, you know, and they didn't even, his first two weeks were basically thrown out. They didn't like the design. They had him, you know, start over. I mean, the do put an effort. The crystal spider works. It is my favorite effect. You know what I love about that crystal spider too is like they could have just stopped at it being a crystal spider, but that one little detail of having the splash of red, whether it's the guts oh, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yes. That yeah, makes that it cool. for me. Yeah. It makes they, it creepy. It, it does. I, you join the stop motion with that and like stop motion is inherently creepy to me, mm-hmm. but that that scene all together like what i will take from this movie is that scene because it has a lot of great tension it looks great and that spider design is extremely memorable so yeah no that's what i mean when i said there are things to take away from this movie and enjoy like no matter how many uh little pithy remarks i make uh there are a lot of really good things to take out of this and i think that is like upper echelon it is such a mixed bag though like you know because you've got that effect and then you've got you know the fire mares which when they zoom out and you see just flying (laughs) across the countryside which they probably just had like a little line of like gunpowder or something that they lit up right it's so zoomed out you can't see the horses but that looks good but yeah Mm -hmm. just terrible you know green screen you know overlay whatever the term is you know it it looks terrible and the fact that they are doing tricks and shit is even worse (laughs) like you're going faster than you've ever gone in your life on a horse you're you're, i'm gonna be fucking holding on for dear life yeah that's more with the direction on what they want to do i wasn't even gonna bring up the fire mares you know that and the the, sorry go drew no no it it did make me want an ice cold budweiser though but I'll, I'll say that much. But yeah, but but heavy the Clydesdales. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, be refreshing. Yeah, right real now. Clydesdales, and 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 I I do think the effect worked when it shows their hooves, like what you would see looking down, like the hooves moving with the fire. Yeah. That was cool. But and then you know, mixed bag, like the the spider looks so good. You know, I I think 
and I couldn't find anything on it. But one of the things I love about it is when the slayers get killed, it, you find out that they're really just almost like suits of armor and they have like this nasty, gnarly slug thing in their head that, yeah. that always me and then goes on the ground. That I gotta great. tell you what, I didn't, I didn't like that. <laughs> you didn't like the effect or you just didn't like the, the nastiness of the slurpy sluggy? No, I didn't really like the effect. It just did not, it did not work for me at all. I was like, that's dumb. It, yeah. It, <laughs> the effect is dumb or the idea that there's a slug in their head? Both. Yeah. Ah, I gotta disagree with you. I don't, that's where I was good. like, just go back, go back to the fantasy because this is just not working. But yeah. um, for me personally, I guess, yeah. But the shivers I, worked for you. Yeah, I like the shivers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that, that's fair. That's fair. Right. Um, and then the last thing I'll say on the effects is they did a ton of work. And, and I don't know if I'd go as far as saying groundbreaking, but the, the effect they did for the beast, like the animatronics in the facial structure of the suit, yeah. what was they were doing new stuff and it looks great. And then they you know had the idea gotta, to fucking. I gotta tell it. you, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> now, did you think it didn't look good? Like it didn't look realistic, no, or you just didn't like the looked, design? I just thought it looked stupid. Daddy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, Emily, that's your. You gotta give me a better. I thought it looked stupid. Well, hey, you know it what? That's... It just didn't work when he's like all giant and you just like, I just, he's throwing the should glaive at him. Like, this, this guy looks dumb. It should have been a dragon. <laughs> Well, it looked dumb then. Yes, him throwing the glaive at like again, just a superimposed image of him. Yeah. That they like tweak with angles, like yeah. they fucking ruined it because the makeup and the and the 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 prosthetics and the, the and the the servos and the fucking facial structure of the thing worked. I think, or I think it would have if I could have fucking ever just seen it for what it was. But yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, it again. That's that's not what deters me from this movie. Uh, I'll put it that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, you right. know, that, that's, it was 1983. Yeah, I, I didn't see the beast and go, nah, <laughs> not for me. I, I don't know that. Yeah, that, that, that was other things that did that for me. But uh, but no, I I am so sorry. I've got to add this in here because I, I found this guy's website today. We just we were talking about the Slayers, but I didn't want to ruin your your rhythm you had going. But I found <laughs> the website. For this guy named Derek Lyons, who apparently played one of the white slayers that's in the Fortress Black. Yeah. And he confirmed that the tiger was real. And and that he says that it was hungry because nobody was feeding it. And that it was supposed to attack some like dummy slayer that they set up, but it actually went after him. So I I don't know. I just I found crazy though i also heard after the movie nobody could find that puppy what no i just made that up. oh my god like, don't that happened and then somebody wrote it no. down and it was it's now in the internet i would have believed tiger it. ate the puppy hey well, well titch treated it like shit he oh, grabbed it like yeah. i didn't even get it <laughs> he, he grabbed it like nobody grabs a dog like that Bro, Listen, kids do. You gotta be around more sure, kids. Kids sure. are fucking yeah. terrible with pets, dude. My yeah, cousin used to pick up their fucking cat upside down mm. with like the ass in his face and then squeeze it. I was like, dude, you're gonna get 
Claude to uh, death one day. That's you've got some uh, some other stuff on on the effects. Uh, I know you did a bunch of research on your own on it, Drew. So anything else you want to add on uh, effects, man? We're, we're man, you for you days. actually touched on pretty much everything I was going to say. I had some stuff at the Beast and some stuff about the Slayers, but no, pretty much all that. I mean, again, the effects were good. That there were. I mean, hell, they had. There, there's 20 people credited for the effects on this movie. Derek Meddings, yeah. or, or I'm sorry, Meddings, let it. But <laughs> there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of people working on it. And again, a lot of talented people that have done a lot of really impressive work. So, I mean, again, the, the effects, the effects work, except for Emily. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, that's not what turns me away from this I, movie. I think, I hope we can all agree <clears throat> that at least if enough of them didn't work as well as they do, if they don't all work, I, I don't think we would be covering, maybe we mm-hmm. would eventually be covering this movie, but this yeah. movie wouldn't have a cult status. I, I think yeah, I agree. they are one of the redeeming, more memorable things about it. I think the Cyclops effects, you know, for, for the eye look, I honestly, I just watched Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Emily, you can write that down for our movie <laughs> list as well. Oh and yeah. I've never seen it either. I, you know, I mean, obviously they use CG to add the third eye, you know, spoiler alert, there's a scene with a third eye. And I think that looks terrible. Mm-hmm. I think I like the Cyclops's eye in the middle better than friggin' Dr. Yeah. Strange's. What do you think, Drew? I know you've seen uh, it. You're a big Marvel guy. I've got a Dr. Strange action figure right here behind me, but I'm not going to try to pretend like that eye looked good. Yeah. Uh, I've just, seen a picture. Didn't. Yeah, it didn't look right. No, you know, they did what they did there. That it blinks, it looks. I mean, it, it, they did a good job there, you know. It, I mean, he looked enough like he was looking at the people that he was supposed to be talking to with this fake eye. Like, so the, the credit to them for the direction of telling this poor blind guy where the fuck he's got to go and what he's got to <laughs> look at. So, um, all right. Like, well, we could talk on it. Oh, sorry, Drew, go. No, no, I was, I was going to say, like in this movie, the definitely the two things that are not detractors for me are the effects and then the music. Which... I was just going to say, that's what we're going to segue into. Yeah, okay. I, I was okay. going to do a... Good. Because I think we'll all agree on this part. Yeah, I I would definitely say I think the music is, is the best part and that's going to be totally thanks to Mr. Horner himself. So yep. this was one of his earlier outputs um, that was before James Horner really became James Horner. Um, but he did already have a, a good track record up to that point because he had started in 1979 with Up From The Depths, which some would say is very psychotronic. Um, he also it. did <laughs> Humanoids <laughs> From The Deep, which I know we've talked about on here before, and Battle Beyond The Stars, what? which I'm sure we will be talking about at some point in the future. I'd like so to. So it really just proves, yeah, everyone has worked on a Roger Corman production at one point or another. Um, I mean, you guys, everybody knows James Horner. Um, what was interesting was that some pieces of this music would later be reused in Aliens and the Rocketeer. Ooh, which I thought was kind of cool. And I actually have seen both of those. I obviously could not pick out the music that was reused, but if I ever do rewatch them, I will be listening for it. I mean, he really became okay. just one of the composers of Hollywood doing Aliens, Braveheart, Jumanji, little movie called Titanic. Ever pretty, heard of you know, it? Pretty, yeah, ever heard of it? Pretty decent score. Um, do you guys have a favorite Horner score though? Just a side question, because I was really looking through like his insane list. And I honestly would pick out, I think, Field of Dreams, because I think it's just a little more quiet and intimate than a lot of his stuff. Just complement that movie really well. 
Yeah, exactly. And not quite as bombastic. And I, that's not an insult to something like his Crawl soundtrack. Bonnie, what would you you'd put Crawl number one though, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm going to have to pull an Emily, um, like what you did when we were asking you for favorite Cronenbergs. Like I've got to put Crawl number one because I can't, you know, I, I'd have to look at the list of his scores and remember them, but mm-hmm. this is a memorable score to me. And, and I don't know, I, I love how, you know, you use that term bombastic and I think that's great for it in this, but I, I think it's a fucking swashbuckling fucking hey. score, right? Yeah. I, I really do. Uh, I, I am a fan of the score in this. Now I think Jumanji's got a great score, right? You know, as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, I, I don't remember Titanic for its fucking score. Right. And that's the thing too. You can't hold against it. You know, saying that the score is the best thing in this movie is not necessarily saying that the score is so fucking amazing. I think it is mm-hmm. great, but it, it is more of a reflection on, well, you got to look at what, what the other things in the movie are that you yeah. don't think are as good. Well, I think it, it really suits the movie though, contributes to it for sure. Yeah. It's not just a separate, really good piece of music that happens to be attached to a not great movie. Like it is thoughtful to what the movie is, what he produced for it. To um, me, Ryan- it overshadows Mm-hmm. actually it's to me it actually overshadows what's on screen at sometimes like when i was watching it earlier today the scene where colwyn and Wes are seeing each other for the first time and however long and again it, it comes to me like feeling that they didn't have much chemistry well that's and, why he really pumped up the score there because it's doing the heavy lifting for the chemistry between the actors yeah that's what i mean is like, it felt like hoarder was trying to sell me on it and I yeah. maybe didn't buy it, but I did love the music. Yeah. Ryan Lambie in um, Den of Geek wrote that the 70s and 80s seem to be the era of great sci-fi and fantasy themes. And Horner's is high up on the list of the best, providing the film a grandiose sweep to match the broad vistas of Curl's location photography. So I, I do think that's very apt. I think he, he definitely produced probably the best matching score. Yeah. to this film for sure i mean other people don't disagree it's really started to kind of climb climb in price um i mean it's been re-released a few times like on cd there's a limited edition cd that right now you could get on ebay from like 50 to 90 dollars and and probably up depending on the edition that you have but in 2010 la la land records reissued the super tracks album with two bonus cues and new liner notes by jeff bond in limited edition 3,000 copies and it sold out in less than a year which like feels like not that impressive. It's 3000 copies, but I mean, for a not well-received, not that great movie from the eighties, that's actually pretty impressive. And you can get some vinyl online for 66 bucks. I think was the cheapest one I saw 120 bucks. Like I've got to be honest, I would not pay $120 for this vinyl. It's no Halloween kills. <laughs> but but see, that's, that's kind of another what we're movie where the about. soundtrack was the best part of the movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a one-star reviewer several but yeah i think that goes to show what we're talking about where like this movie does have its fans and avid fans Mm -hmm. like people that are willing to pay this price like there is a piece of merchandise that i cannot wait to talk about later because the price is insane but no i mean this in like having this vinyl because i do like having vinyls of movie scores and this would be a cool one to have you know have on while you're working or yeah, just kind of doing chores around the house. Yeah, I can see why people like would want it. Eighteen dollars. Y- yes. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's one that I could happily look up on YouTube and listen to through my earbuds when I <laughs> get the notion to do it. You know, I will not pay that because I've been thinking about. You guys know I collect 
all kinds of shit. And I've been debating, yeah. do I want to get a record player and start collecting horror vinyls? Cause yeah, join us, one, bro. I, I, well, I mean, I do have horror vinyls. I've got the yeah. special edition vinyl drop of the Cujo soundtrack that I won Ooh. from the Losers Club, which nice. I just opened recently is really cool. It's a, it's a brown and black edition. One of those ones nice. where they poured it all in and the colors are swirled. Yeah. Uh, That's pretty cool. It's cool, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that. I, I will not add Krull to my vinyl uh, collection if I do one because it'll be a vinyl horror soundtrack collection exclusively if I do it and two mm-hmm. because I would not pay more than $18 I think $18 feels fair so somebody release an $18 vinyl of yeah. crawl and you'll make a killing yeah, yeah. I actually probably still wouldn't get it but right well, it is a good score I mean you can't, it's good. can't go wrong with James Horner you know yeah, you, you can't, can't yeah. Hey, I mean, I love a guy that has psychotronic background, and he has got the credentials. I mean, he yeah, did yeah, he did a lot of psychotronic does. stuff. All but. right. So we're going to talk about our next segment, you guys, uh, our biggest what the hell moment. So for me, it, it is the one that stuck with me when I remember this movie from a kid when I didn't know if it was real or a nightmare or, or what I had had. And it is um, it is the Emerald Sears death in the quicksand swamps. Right. He mm-hmm. gets killed by the changeling and just the look of the emerald seer with his squinty eyes he's just an (laughs) unsettling character to begin with and then when and you know anybody that hasn't seen the movie will go watch the movie or at least look up this scene but he the changeling grabs him and he's like does this like screaming he opens his mouth wide and screams and it's just fucking weird and then it just goes on his body coming up out of the quicksand when rel sees him is just even worse and then what really seals the deal that this is that moment for me to pick for this movie is when rel throws his trident spear thing at him that sound is terrible it's it's really just i mean are and they don't explain any of this stuff nobody knows why the fuck <laughs> the goddamn slayers have slugs in their heads but mm-hmm. are they related to the changelings because they have the same like damn it we've ruined this movie for you this when sucks. they die but <laughs> he he starts screeching like that and it's fucking just terrifying for me and then the way his face like starts swelling and molding and melting and whatever and then just i don't know he does Maybe they, again, are they related to the fucking Slayers? Because what happens when he dies? Sure. He just gets fucking sucked down into the ground. But it's like this just dry old husk. There's dust flying. Like, I don't know. It, it fucking, it did it. I loved it when I was a kid. It stuck with me and, and it still does it for me today. That scene fucking is like, what the hell? And I, and I think that scene is more likely to give a kid nightmares than the Crystal Spider. Although mm. I think the Crystal Spider yeah. is the better scene. But that yeah. scene is fucking... Crazy. What about, I agree what with you that. Got for it, Drew? Oh, what do I got? So again, I've been poopy pants the entire episode. So I, I hate Johnny this. Pants. It, it, I've been Drew poopy pants, but it, like my typical <laughs> definition for this segment is like what what scene when you're watching it when somebody walks in you go oh, and you feel uncomfortable for having watched it, you know. And so for this one, I. I didn't necessarily feel like that for any of these. So I kind of changed my definition where we talked about it earlier, the, the fireball scene at the end. I did. It's not, it just doesn't feel earned at all. And, and that's fine. It looked cool. And 
you know, he's he's Johnny Storm, he's he's Firestorm. That's fine. It's just did it look cool? No, I'm trying to be nice. I did it. No, (laughs) I just. I didn't didn't like it. And then then he blows a fireball through the side of Fortress Black. And I don't know it. That part, (laughs) that part bothered me. It's like, okay, we we went from Alyssa giving him this little flame, you know, this, this little lighter flame to him literally shooting it out of his hands just by, you know, doing a little Palpatine uh, force lightning gesture. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know when I saw that, I went, I did go, what the, what the hell? So that is my, what the hell moment of the movie. Yeah. There's no transition to it. There's no him learning to use his powers. There's no talk. It's just there. Which again, like I, I think would be fine if the rest of the movie didn't kind of feel like that, where where it just, there were a lot of instances where I went, okay. All right. Yeah, sure. And then that happens. It's like he didn't like it. He didn't like it. No. Well, to I'm quote sorry. Huey I'm Lewis, sorry. it was the power of love, you doofuses. That was where the fuck <laughs> came from. Come on. You're Even right. You're right. It's right there. It's Chekhov's fire. They start with the fire at the wedding scene. They end with the fire. Come on. You're right. That's yeah, your biggest gripe. Again, I'm being poopy. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. It's well, my fun. biggest, my um, I went with what made me just go like damn son and it was um our our poor friend cyclops getting crushed in the door like good grief cut a guy a break that's it was rough yeah he should have he should have just stayed back and died in his sleep you know yeah right like i i wish they'd done that like just he told <laughs> like just one scene where he tells like ergo like how he's gonna die or something yeah, you know exactly. so we know the sacrifice but even then like it doesn't you're gonna fucking die like even if we knew it was gonna be something like what was it gonna be that like he's making a big sacrifice by doing this it's like i was gonna die you know doing what i loved you know and i like i was gonna die in the throes of passion with all the cyclops beauties (laughs) you know and it would it would have been great but yeah i I can get that i can get that i was like what the heck and then it's it's a rough way to go and a kind of a bummer so it's like Uh all right yeah. I'll tell you guys what, I am going to tail end our, our, our next section, right? Because you guys clearly, based on what we've been talking about, I would imagine, I've not read what you guys put in here because I, I don't like to know everything that we're going to have. Plus, I'm bad at my job. Um, so <laughs> that is not true like for the record. <laughs> what you guys would do with more, <laughs> even more money. You know, maybe we more can even money. tweak this a little. Okay, well, maybe not more money, better management of the funds. What would you do? How do you make it a better movie? <sighs> this uh, this movie, it, you don't need more budget. The big budget was their problem. They they kept they kept building sets. They kept changing the script. I, they kept saying, "Hey, we we can do this. We can do that. We can make it more science fiction." And like. I don't know. I think about some of the stuff we talked about with Josh Stifter who made a movie for 2000 bucks. And he was, you know, kind of saying like your creativity gets killed a bit. Like the, when that budget gets bigger, you know, I think what I would do if I did have just all the money that I could have for crawl and just have this big budget, I, I think what I would want to do is strip it down. Some take out the science fiction elements, make it a more, straightforward fantasy film have a dragon you know and and 
mm-hmm. make those science fiction elements more magic and give it more of that surreal tone that it has within Fortress Black. It's like with the eye, with the uh, claw that uh, Liss is in. Like, do some more stuff like that. I mean, that's pretty much the only, pretty much the only changes that, that I would make with a different, uh, with, with a bigger budget. I had a lot more stuff written down for this. And I just, I feel like I've how, like just ragged on this movie. And I haven't meant to, because I, I, I don't dislike, actively dislike this movie. It's, it's kind of like, you know, your parents or maybe not your parents, but your a parent you've heard on TV say, you know, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah. And, and, and I'm disappointed with some of the stuff that they did with the budget that they had and all the talent that they had. It's like, I can see the not even good, great movie that's within this. And I, and I think that's what has kind of led me to being, uh, you know, drew poopy pants. But... Emily cannot see a great movie in this. Look at her face. <laughs> no, I'm just, I know. I'm just laughing thinking about your face as this episode goes on and on. <laughs> we just keep dumping on it. I know. I, I feel funny. <laughs> Hey, I knew it. I knew it going into it. Yeah, we don't always agree. No, no. And that's more more fun that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What would you do, Emily? I would make one life-changing decision for Crawl, and I would take my bigger budget, and I would cast Mark Hamill as Prince Colwyn. Bing, bang, boom. You got to hit. Nobody would think it was a fucking Star Wars ripoff. Who cares? lean into a better job right i think you could pull it off and the people would come to see him and there you go yada 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 you gotta hit got two words for you james brolin no i don't think i can't i just i cast james brolin and everything from like late 70s to about 85 i just try to try to put him in everything there could have been more to it you know and i i think so that's what you've got on it emily yeah, well, that is my real suggestion. I did also find a quote, though, from um, critic Lawrence Watts Evans, which was something that really did kind of ping for me. He said, although we're told that the Slayers have been burning villages, we never see a village burned or otherwise. Um, establishing shots of castles show no residents or plot unrelated extras passing by. So for the fact that we've got this giant cast of like a trillion people, nobody exists in this world besides them. How do they like? Where's the danger from them? Where do we see yeah. the effects that the these aliens have already had on their land? This fucking movie is falling apart for me. You're right. Yeah. Donnie, I, I read I, that Donnie. note and I was like, <laughs> yes, like that would have made it because, like, literally, you like, know? yeah, he, he, he's like, whoa, what are you guys gonna do? Like, when the thieves don't want to fucking help him, he's like, he's gonna come for you next. Like, how do they even fucking know who the beast is? His fucking yeah. His big fucking with the the goopy balls on it fucking castle lands down and then it's like he stole your girlfriend and now fucking like yeah if they'd shown him burning villages or something yeah yeah, or even a world that seemed inhabited by people now one thing I will say just because I meant to bring it up earlier and I didn't I do love that effect of the fucking castle coming down and landing for the first time yeah, it's it had to have been done with miniatures, but the, the mm-hmm. earth moves and you see two different canyons open up, spreading out in the earth from it, which I thought was just a really cool effect. But yeah, that is that's cool. a great fucking insight, Lawrence Watts Evans. And 
you didn't fucking say the movie's a piece of shit and I'm a fucking asshole for liking it, unlike our friend earlier. So my hat is yeah. off to you if I ever Oh God, I thought you were talking I about me. No, no. <laughs> that so, girl whose name I won't even bother remembering yeah. that said I was a dullard. What I will say though is no matter how dumb something is, if there's merch for it, I'm, I'm honestly kind of in. I just love merch. So I actually see there's a lot of merch that Drew has to tell us about. And I probably would buy almost all of it except for one specific thing. Yes. Well, Donna, is there anything you would have changed with a, with a bigger or different budget? Yes. Yeah, so I will change. I guess this episode will change who skips over my part. It won't be oh, yeah, this time. Yeah. It'll be Emily. Uh, <laughs> so, I'm just um, really excited to talk about the board game. No, I know. I know. I, I honestly, you guys, I, I love I love the movie less now than I did earlier today, but I still love it. Aww. Nothing Drew with and the I budget. High fiving right now, I, right? <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I if don't anything, feel good about this. No, you're good. I'm happy with it. The only thing I would have done: spend more time with the script, settle for what you wanted, and then shoot the movie. The changes, I think, deterred from it. Um, but for me, you can call it a Star Wars ripoff. You can call it what you want. I think this film is very unique from the others like it. I love the ideas of sword and sorcery being in the mix. I love the swashbuckiness of it. It, it. it just works for me. I don't think any of my ideas would have improved what was done besides just sticking to your idea, you know, and maybe, yeah. maybe not having the slayers be able to shoot fucking blaster lasers from their fucking mm-hmm. spears. You know, before I ask you guys if you would buy this different merch, I, I want to, I'll make this really quick. I promise, I promise, promise, promise. But <laughs> it, it kind of feels to me like some of the movies you get today, like uh, The Gray Man and Red Notice and stuff like that, where I call them like algorithm movies, where you're basically copying and pasting all the different stuff that's sort of working out there right now, whether it's a star or whether it's, I don't know, it, it, that's why it kind of feels like it has no heart to me because they were just, I don't know if like they were throwing stuff mm-hmm. at the wall, hoping it would stick. And actually, you know, Dottie, I've had a little bit of the opposite effect from you hearing you talk about it more has made me appreciate definitely the heart of it more and see more of like why you love it and see like some of, some of the stuff that maybe I didn't see upon viewing it myself is it, like, there, there is heart there. It's just, Maybe I couldn't see it because uh, I was super frustrated by some of the other shit going on. But <laughs> missed the beauty of the forest because you were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees, man. <laughs> I, I was absolutely diverted. Look. And but, so I wanted to ask you guys if you would buy some of this stuff out there. And, and so I uh, added a super special exclusive segment for this movie um, because a lot of the stuff that we're going to cover doesn't have a ton of merch like you're not gonna find many shivers coffee mugs out there but crawl oh, until a, i get mine until i get it, mine from walgreens tr- yes we we might make them ourselves actually but <laughs> i've got Kroll, my picture all picked out already we we should do that actually yeah make yeah. some make some coffee mugs make some starliner uh t-shirts but so crawl like being a big budget release it did receive the merch treatment and I think my favorite thing that I found was a board game. And, and Emily, mm-hmm. I know you love board games, so I want to tell you a little bit about it and see if you <laughs> would get it. So the board itself is the glaive, which they obviously thought was going to be like an iconic image. Well, 
Yeah. And, and so it was kind of cool, except for the fact that um, I mean, and, it was in Ready Player One. <laughs> yeah, it, this this feels like something Donnie would say, but but I'm gonna say it. It it looks like a spinning wheel of dicks. The the board does it. I'm definitely in them. <laughs> it could it have does. sharp ends on it, so they put mushroom caps on them. Yeah, it, it does. It's rounded <laughs> off, and it looks anyway. I'll have to post it to socials at some point because it it looks like a spinning wheel of dicks, and it looks like you're moving your game piece down a, a dick slide. But I've got it. It, it does. I again, it feels like a. I should have gotten you to read that, Donnie. You would have had fun with that. No, man. But, I'm glad I didn't even read it. At- <laughs> But uh, but you and your opponents are battling to save Princess Lissa from the Beast. He's taken her for Prince Colwyn and carried her off to the Black Fortress. You must capture the Glaive card. Don't let opponents take it from you. And locate the Black Fortress card while keeping its whereabouts a secret from others. Once you have the Glaive and can expose the Black Fortress, battle the Beast and try to rescue the Princess. Defeat the Beast and you're a winner. Emily, you in? Yeah, definitely. Sweet. We, we got to get it, except it's like a bajillion dollars everywhere you find it. Uh, I'd play that before I'd ever play fucking Settlers of Catan. Ever, I hate Catan so much. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it with oh, a burning passion. I've never passion. played that, but I would definitely play it over Monopoly. That's going to piss off some of our listeners. Monopoly is the worst game. freaking board game tied with Scrabble. <laughs> Monopoly sucks. And also, sucks. this is, this is how I'm going to find out if my friends listen to this show <laughs> because in college they always wanted me to play freaking guitar and i was like if i wanted to be that board i would paint our walls i would do that and that would be just as entertaining yeah I, anyway we can't maybe there's a maybe there's a crawl expansion series for uh Catan now they also crawl also got the star wars marvel situation where they got a two-issue adaptation and oh, it's like uh, wild they did something that star wars did I, I know <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't do that before but yeah. there's also a novelization uh emily you ordered it didn't you i did it should be here somewhere between august 2nd and august 5th so i absolutely will report back on that we'll do and we'll do emily's like, book review it was seven dollars with shipping so not bad not bad at all pango books because i'm looking at it right now no i went with amazon I know if I order this thing, I'll never fucking read it. Just, <laughs> I'll just send you. I'll send you mine when I'm done. Don't worry. Uh, Emily, well, Emily's going to give us it? a rundown of it. Um, it was Alan, Alan Dean Foster. Dean Foster, yeah. He wrote the Alien novelization, which is like heralded as one of the better novelizations ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. So again, like they got some great talent pretty much across the board for everything they did. But okay, this is the one where I was shocked. Mm-hmm. And where I had to include this segment because there is a frisbee, a frisbee that is selling on eBay right now for seven hundred dollars. That has the glaive on it. Seven hundred dollars. Well, it's a disc with a print of the glaive, or is it shaped yeah. like the glaive? No, it is a disc. It is a regular ass frisbee with a picture of the glaive on it. Seven hundred bucks. I would yeah. pass. I would pass on that, guys. Would you? I, yeah, think so too. I'm not like very good at frisbee, so you know. No, it in like I don't know that that just <laughs> that baffled baffled me. Yeah. And uh, and then I also found this. I guess it was sent out to all the theaters that Crawl was showing at, but it was basically like an advertising manual that went out with the movie, and 
there was like a maze that was distributed newspapers, day camps, parks, beaches. It, it, it quote wherever youngsters gather, which is not creepy, but yeah. it implored people to make murals. Um, there was a button that said "I saw crawl." You can see that on our Instagram. I posted that recently. There was an eye sticker, and my favorite, and I'm about to have the hardest time saying this. There was a crawling contest where you, they had a picture they had the poster and you had to color it in but again i i just i absolutely had to include all of that stuff because i was like i do dig, i do dig the buttons i probably will make a couple so. like yes yeah they had a thing that they abandoned too like a marketing scheme before the movie that i read on and of course didn't fucking add to my notes people could apply in the thing and get like married and like a crawl themed wedding like they were going to pick oh. winners and then they abandoned it because i like, reject that as reality nobody gave a uh, shit i say no to <laughs> <Reject> it, it. <laughs> I, I prefer not to believe that that happened i'm so glad drew grew the I mustache for this episode because that was great <laughs> just, yeah yeah he's got his glass of red wine everybody you know at home oh, and, like and he, he takes it down home. and looks looks at the camera and goes i reject that <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not part of I can't my reality yeah yeah me and ken marshall have a lot in common i guess yeah and, um i'm actually going to set a reminder to ask you to make those buttons i know you'll oh, do it will. yeah yeah make we, em, make em. we've got to we've got to make sure right. that we get those well guys as we near the end not there yet but as we start getting ready to near the end of our journey through the eight quests, through <laughs> the mountain scenes and the swamp scenes and the horses walking by the river while birds swoop in to get fish. And then they added a splash sound effect that you never would have been able to hear had you actually been there in person scenes. <laughs> you Let's forgot the swashbuckling. On. Yes, and the swashbuckling throughout. It was a given. <laughs> Let's look towards our final thoughts I am going to go last on this again, because I really want to hear what you guys have to say. Dude, yeah. does it deserve an, a wider audience? Does it deserve appraisal for the first time or reappraisal for those that have seen it? Emily's got to tell us, does it have a heart or not? And I'll <laughs> give you guys my definitive final thoughts. Let's start with Emily. What do you got, Emily? Heart? No heart? Do you like the swashbuckling? Tell us what you think. I have got to land on no heart. I'm sorry, Donnie. Womp, womp. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't think you're surprised after hearing my thoughts. On the other after stuff. seeing your face as I talked yeah. about this podcast, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'd say no heart. I think it's okay. It's not as serious and elegant as, say, Lord of the Rings, which obviously you know had a lot more going for it. It's not as fun as Star Wars. It's not as funny as it thinks it is. It's just too much. Let's throw a lot of silly spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And it just none of it really. I'd say most of it did not stick for me. Like it's not one that I will revisit. Um, I would say, call me when they do a full length widow of the web film. I will definitely show up for that. Mm. I, I would absolutely watch that. Um, there was one more quote that I found that just felt really apt 
um, for me specifically. It's um, from hollywoodandtoto.com, but it says, unlike Star Wars, an obvious prime example of what this movie aimed to be, you have something like Cowboys and Aliens, where the disproportionate genres nearly cancel one another out. And I really stood out to me because I was so freaking excited for Cowboys and Aliens, just <laughs> totally based on the fact that I like Aliens and I think it's like the best title. I was so hyped. I saw that movie and I was like, oh man, this movie like sucks. It's not, it's not even bad. It's just, a, it's just nothing. And not that Crawl is nothing. I think Crawl is a little more successful than Cowboys and Aliens, but it does. I just think they should have just leaned hard into the fantasy, ditched the other stuff. And I think they would have had something that maybe sticks to your ribs a little bit more. Had the Slayers burned down some, burned down some villages. Yeah. I, I agree and disagree. So I hated the title cowboys and aliens no, i couldn't believe title anybody harrison ever ford of. and um daniel craig were gonna be in this and mm-hmm. then i was like I, I i must be wrong i maybe <laughs> you know are the children wrong no you know it must be is, am i wrong it's that meme of, of skinner it's like could i be wrong no it's the children that it's are wrong children. Like, maybe this movie will be good why would harrison ford and daniel craig sign up to do it and then i watched oh, it like harrison ford has never done i know <laughs> yeah, yeah he's only ever done sucks. good movies and yeah. I can't remember it. I, I don't remember a single scene from that besides that there was a lot of CGI, there were cowboys and there were aliens and it, it, it just, it I mean, they had a title and no story to go with it on that. Yeah. But that's another, that's right. another episode right there. <laughs> Drew, what about you? Uh, so I know this is going to come as a huge shock to everyone, but I have a nice old monologue written out here. And I hate it because I feel like I've piled on the movie, but I, I, I just personally don't think this needs a reappraisal or a wider audience like my, my friends that are really into fantasy and epics that i've recommended it to them. i said hey give this a watch it's something different it's something that you probably haven't heard of before and i don't know it's got some ideas that are interesting and i'm sure there are some warriors of crawl out there looking to take me down mm-hmm. like one of the slayers but I, I just feel like there are other movies that do all of this better and again this feels mean i think the movie is a bit of a drag that being said the film is gorgeous and has an outstanding score by james horner and i've never been someone who says how does this scene progress the plot you know like (laughs) give me give me all the surreal imagery and dream scenes and and god forbid a sex scene but after all this is a visual medium you know give me great imagery and kroll does that for some reason, I couldn't get over it here, but maybe I need to reappraise myself because I'm not really sure why I didn't gel with this movie. And I feel like that probably came across in the episode, but maybe I couldn't get over the big budget or maybe it was just that I never connected with the characters at all, but it just didn't grab me. Great look, great score. I think it kind of sits where it should be, like in the zeitgeist at this point. And, and Donnie, shit, I, I know I've dragged everyone down into the swamp with me and frozen their heels off like Ken Marshall, but what is your definitive rating? And tell me why you think I'm A, wrong, and B, an idiot, and C, a poopy pants. Fuck a poopy pants, man. <laughs> so, uh, Drew, you and Emily, neither of you. You guys aren't wrong. You're not, you know, Drew, you're not an idiot. For me... Definitive whoa, rating. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, uh, wait a second. <laughs> I was like, speak yeah. for yourself, man. Yeah, no, no, I mean, we got you lumped me and him together. We're not wrong. But then you just said, Drew, you're not an idiot. 
Well, because oh, you're an idiot. Tell uh-huh. me why I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm just saying, uh-huh. Emily. Oh, yeah, no, I was saying, Emily, nobody ever even called uh-huh. you. An idiot, right? You read okay. 1,300 right. books a year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Emily's not no keep, idiot. She's no slouch. Keep going. I see what's going on here. <laughs> For me, guys, <laughs> three and a half stars. And, and honestly, believe it or not, I. I, I, I still kind of want to give it four, right? I, I can't though, right? And, and you know, I know, right? Well, Donnie, look at my Donnie I, will, I love you for that. I yeah, love you look so at much. My letterbox. I'm glad, yeah. Donnie underscore MCH on Letterbox. I, <laughs> I judge movies uh, very emotionally. And, and for me, yeah. you know, I can't give it four. I love it. There, there is too much that's underdeveloped or straight up doesn't work, but that doesn't mean I don't love it. And, and a big part of this is probably because I saw it so young. This has been a movie that I've talked about periodically throughout my entire life for, for, for years because I, the one that got away, this movie, I remembered it being so cool and nobody's ever heard of it. And, and I, I love the ideas. You know, I love the crystal spider effect. It's so good, right? It, a whole star of my three and a half is for the crystal spider. Like, it works, you know, mm-hmm. even now, you know, my brain is telling me that this is not stop motion. They, they, they somehow had to have used force perspective and died a spider white or something <laughs> because it, it just fucking works. And I do think it deserves reappraisal. I, I think time and critics and, and maybe just maybe two co-hosts of this very podcast have been a little too hard. The film for me, it's fun. God damn it. They tried. <laughs> they tried too hard some spots. They didn't try hard enough on others. But I think in the hands of a lot of other directors, it would have been a lot worse. Yates takes it seriously. He made an effort. I think Ryan Lambie said it better than I could when he reviewed this in 2011 for Den of Geek. He called it a well-made film and an entire galaxy away from other cheap, quickly made knockoffs that showed up in the wake of Star Wars. He called it among the most visually creative and downright fun movies of the Enchanted 80s. So here's my last word for fans listening to our podcast that haven't seen it. Do not go in this expecting Lord of the Rings. Do not go into it expecting Star Wars. Go into this movie expecting something that missed the majority of its marks, but shot for the moon, and maybe you'll meet me in the stars. I love (laughs) Crawl Guys. I, I, I love it, you know, and if you're fucking 35 years old and you're watching it for the first time, you're probably not going to fucking like it, but watch it anyway, because fucking Donnie says, check it out. Donnie, I'll tell you what, man, you, you, I'm glad you came back around. Yeah, that was a journey, man. Back, backhanded compliment again, but you did not sell me on the movie, but you sold me on your passion. Yeah. And I love that. Like, that's what this is all about, man. Like there will be movies that we talk about where. You know, maybe only one of us likes it. Maybe all of us like it. I mean, it was shivers. Hell, we were all kind of like, okay, you know, it, this is fun. Yeah. You know, you, you yeah. absolutely love this movie. Emily and I feel differently, but you, <laughs> well, Drew, you let it. me ask you, what do you like better, this or shivers? Shivers. I, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I love that. Shivers, come on, let's move shivers. on. <laughs> shivers. And, and like, I, I can't go into why. I think I did yeah, actually no. throughout the episode, but yeah. I love when people love movies and damn it, Donnie, you love this movie. And that's awesome. I like it better than Shivers. And I will say Shivers yeah. knew what it was doing and did what it did confidently and effectively. I just, I just like crawl better than Shivers. So okay. that's what we've got you guys. Listen, 
Thank you all so much for joining us tonight on our quest through crawl or today or this morning or whenever you listen to this. Time travel. (laughs) It's not about the destination. It's the slayers you killed with a shiny golden throwing star along the way. Drew, that's a great line. I read it. It was your line. Thanks for writing it. Uh, This is a lot of fun. You guys, Emily has announced to us before the recording next movie of her choice. We are going to be covering the ginger dead man. No. Oh my God. I was like, Drew got all excited. Wait, what? She told me. I was like, we're talking about Gary Busey? We don't, we have no idea. I've never heard of it. Do you, Emily, you have to answer this. Do you know what movie we're going to cover? I do. I can tell you now. You can. Oh my God. We were talking about it before you got on. We didn't think you'd tell us. What are we covering? No. And I, I want to say a couple things about this, actually. I was not, not telling you guys because I was being coy. I genuinely decided on the drive home today. I have been like agonizing over this. I've got like this long list. I've been trying to narrow it down. You know, like I can't rank anything. Yeah. It's so hard to pick. I just went all back and forth. I will tell you, I wanted to ask you guys if you knew this movie. I did not pick it. Um, 1942's In This Our Life. Do you guys know that one? Ooh, no, No. I don't. Well, it's Betty Davis. It's really good. I don't know why it's psychotronic necessarily, but it is in the book. 1942, okay. Betty Davis, Olivia de Havilland, and everybody's favorite Betty Davis B leading man, George Brent. Ooh. And it's so really we gotta put good. that on the list. So, What's it about? Um, well, Betty Davis is this woman who's gonna marry this lawyer, George Brent, right? But then she decides she doesn't want him. She wants her sister, Olivia de Havilland's husband. So she runs off with him. And then Olivia de Havilland falls in love with Betty Davis's ex-fiance. But then when Betty Davis finds out, she's so mad. She comes back and tries to steal him back. You guys, it's so good. I don't, I don't know why it's psychotronic, but I was thrilled to see it on the list. I almost went for it, but I was like, maybe, maybe I wait till we have a little more goodwill. We we got to keep that on the list. Eric Clapton and George Harrison. Exactly. Very good. But I did not pick it. So I. Okay anticipation through the roof yeah Yeah. well i kind of went a more obvious route because i really was all over the map with what i wanted to pick and then i decided we've already talked about that we want to talk about this one and i really like it so we're gonna go with just before dawn yes all right fuck yeah good i was gonna say she picks fucking wayne's world man (laughs) oh man no just before dawn is is you've seen it right Drew? yes yeah 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 so i think that'll be a really fun one a fun one to talk about we For absolutely sure. will be going on a Coscarelli journey at some point, but I think oh, I yeah. need, I think I need like a full month of like an episode, three episodes a week to go over that. Oh, so we we'll, can do a Coscarelli we'll save, month. Yeah, we'll save him for the future. So just before dawn. Awesome. Check nice. it out, guys. It is a great slasher with a hell of an ending. I am excited to rewatch that. I, I would say that's one of the, I, I don't want to say too much, but that's one of the best slasher, hell, best, one of the best horror movie endings or no, at least yeah. most visceral that well, I've ever seen. I can't seen. say if I think that or not. You got to listen to the app. So it, yes, it's exactly. got it's yeah. got some of the best wearing of Daisy Duke shorts in it too. There you go, and not by they who work. you would think. They work. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen. Make sure you are following us. Make sure you guys are rating and reviewing us as long as it's five stars. Mm-hmm. on itunes that's how we get more exposure you guys can find us on instagram at psychotronica pod you can find us on twitter at psychotronica double underscore 
we tried psychotronic. What idiot made that our Twitter handle? Yeah, (laughs) it didn't work. That it wouldn't fit. Drew definitely tried it. Mm. Uh, We've got our own letterbox where every movie that got mentioned tonight will be documented, not by me. Sorry, Um, Emily. So you know, appreciate you doing that, Emily. That's going to be at Psychotronica. You guys can find me on Instagram, uh, Donnie underscore does underscore horror. And I'm on Twitter, but there's no point in following me on there because I don't do shit on there besides like the Psychotronica posts that we make and mm-hmm. nothing else. I have like no followers on there and I don't know how it works. What about you, Drew? You can find me at R2D Drew underscore on Instagram. And you can also find me at Drew White 36 underscore on twitter uh especially if you're a hockey fan that's pretty much all i'll talk about on there so if you want movie stuff definitely follow our psychotronica social media and then i am on letterbox as well at ds white 36 you can find me there we can talk about movies emily what about you are you uh remaining an enigma yeah you can't find me but i did want to say for the listeners at home if anybody felt like Jane Lynch, that my voice was too high and annoying on this episode. You can go suck an egg. Keep listening. We're going to have some new stuff coming out for you. You guys know what movie we'll be talking about. We'll be coming up with some mini-sodes because we like to do that shit and we like to hang out and talk together. So we like that you guys like to listen. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening about Crawl. If you haven't seen it, go fucking watch it. (laughs) See you guys. Bye.